from Champaign, Illinois, this is the Jumping the Rail Podcast with your hosts, Mark Redmond and Mike Nartolinas. Welcome to episode 11 of the Jump in the Rail podcast. I am Mark Redman, and I am joined in the studio by our producer, Marco. And we're doing things a little different because uh, my tag team partner is coming to us from his palatial estate in Muhammad, Illinois. And that is the uh, pain train, Mike Nargelinas. Narge, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. I'm a little little pain today. I'm down in the back, uh, you know, similar to Hogan after he battled Andre back in the day. I think I tore every muscle in my back. So uh, I should be back in two weeks live in the studio, but th- this will work for now. Yep, just making some lemonade out of lemons in this case. And Narge, we got a special guest with us today. And uh, he, yeah, we do. Is, yeah. He on, is he is he zoomed in here with us? Yep. I am zoomed in, gentlemen, and I am ready to talk hours of wrestling. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we got uh, the one and only Keith Gibson with us from the Full Count podcast, and he's also the head honcho of Clubhouse Lounge Radio. Keith, how you doing, man? Thanks for helping us out today. Hey, I'm I am good, guys. I uh, love the show. You you guys do a fantastic job, and I am uh, just excited to be here. Well, we appreciate that, and uh, yeah, you've been very helpful with us when we were getting started with uh, all our dumb novice questions and everything, so we've been talking about having you on for a while now. I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad to talk. And year-end review, we've got a lot to talk about today, man. Oh, we sure do. Uh, before we do, Narge, we talked about this yesterday. We wanted to take a second at the start of the show and uh, mention a guy that we lost this past week. Uh, you want to jump in on me? Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of a local guy out of Rock Island, Illinois. Kind of got his start around here in Central Illinois doing uh, different shows for uh, a couple outfits out of Springfield. Um, I believe he did some stuff with actually one of our other guests, David Cavazos and his group, and that's Marcus Crane. Most recently, Marcus was with uh, Game Changer Wrestling couple other deathmatch outfits kind of a pretty popular guy uh, with gcw when they started out Uh, unfortunately passed away in his sleep uh, two nights ago and uh, the outpouring of love and stuff on twitter for this gentleman uh, just amazing a lot of very nice things said about him uh, coming through on twitter Uh, he's a guy that i always recognized when i was at a live show i actually we saw him when we were at gcw in chicago a couple months ago kyler and i had saw him a few months before that so he was always around he hadn't been working about two years ago had uh, brain surgery had had uh, infection in his brain they had to do surgery Uh, was eventually able to bounce back from that and wrestled back in April at GCW's Planet Death and won his match against a gentleman named Kit Osborne. Uh, Not sure all the details around his passing, but uh, Marcus Crane, 33 years old, uh, unfortunately passed away uh, here in the last couple of days. Yeah, so uh, our thoughts to his uh, friends and family and all of his peers and – we're going to take a second and uh, do our usual 10-bell salute to Marcus Crane, 
If you want to do the honors, Marco. So, getting into some uh, some happier business now. Uh, there's a few uh, few things to talk about before we get into the meat of the show, which is going to be our year in review. Uh, first things first. Congratulations to Natty Neidhart. She entered the Guinness Book of World Records this week. She has done that three times now. With uh, I think the latest one is most wins by any woman in the history of WWE, if I remember right. So, uh, so a little tip of the hat to her. That's pretty awesome. You know, she's put a lot of work in uh, throughout the years in WWE, and, and that's something that she deserves. I mean, she's uh, – when when the division women's division was down, she kind of carried that for a while, and so it's uh, pretty impressive to see what she does now and for that record. So kudos to her. Yeah. Uh, before there was a Charlotte and a Sasha and a Becky and all of them, she was really the ace of that women's division for a lot of years. And uh, Keith, what do you think? You have a Natty Nightheart fan? Oh, I am, because I was a big Jim the Anvil Knight. I was a big uh, fan of her father's, you know? Who doesn't like a big stocky guy with a hairy chest? <laughs> That's kind of our wheelhouse <laughs> on this show. Uh, Keith, I suppose we ought to ask the million-dollar question. When did you become a fan of professional wrestling? I know you're a big baseball guy like we are. But, I am. But when did you really get into pro wrestling? Uh, April 8th, 1981. That's the day I was born. Um, you know, my father was a big wrestling fan. I went to, uh, he, he, he went to USWA and, and mid South down there in Evansville. And, uh, I mean, he took me to my first show when I was like two. Uh, but I remember traveling to Evansville with him on Wednesday nights to watch Jerry, the King and Bill Dundee awesome. and, uh, you know, guys like big Bubba Rogers, who was the big boss man, uh, when he came to WWE. But, uh, you know, I grew up with those guys and, uh, I've been a fan since and, and watched it religiously. And, you know, I had, uh, like, uh, the Narges kids have now the, the figures and the rings and the, I did all that. So, uh, I've always been a fan. I love it. I love old school wrestling. I heard you guys talk a couple weeks ago about survivor series and, uh, you know, going back to the four, four man teams. That's, that's, that's what I enjoy watching still. I enjoy the new stuff too, but the classics are still up my alley. Yeah, I think we're all kind of in that boat. Narge, I'm sure you agree with that. No, absolutely. It's it, you know, the new stuff's uh, fine, but there's nothing better than the old stuff we grew up on. Keith, you commented, I think, on our page, and just to get, let the folks little, know a little bit more about you, we asked uh, top three favorite wrestlers of all time. Uh, you care to share your top three with us? I think I said Flair, Dusty, and Macho. You know, those are guys not that a, I'm not a bad choice. Those are guys I enjoy, um, you know, watching. I could watch promos from all three of them all day long, and I love a great promo. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, and, and Dusty could could do it all day long, you know, with his, his way he talked and, and uh, Macho, same way. And then H, well, and H is just an H. So, yeah. uh, but no, it's it's those guys that I grew up with, and I love it. And I love independent wrestling. Just like Narge, I've been in the ring a couple times as well. And, uh, until you get in there, there's, there's, you don't understand it until you get in there, but it's, it's pretty crazy. And it's not as, uh, it can hurt. 
it can hurt. I know I was really sore for a while after I did it, but it was worth every penny and uh, every bit of training we did. Yeah, I can only imagine. I've always wanted to at least take one bump just so I can see what it feels like, but I've never had a chance to do it yet. Uh, Narge, just so... Uh, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hey, Narge, you know what I just heard? Yes. I just heard Mark yeah. say he needs you to throw him for a bump one time. I, that's what I heard, too. I believe that. Hey, he's down in the back. He needs to find we get could, somebody else. We could probably make that a paid live stream event. <laughs> People like yeah, it. Yeah, we, we could pick Mark for a body slam. We could, we could figure something out for sure. Maybe <laughs> double suplex? Maybe if somebody can physically yeah, lift we'll me. Ty, we'll bring Tyler over. <laughs> I was imagining Murray come give me a dick punch or something. <laughs> double me over. So... So we heard Keith's list. Narge, just so people kind of get a feel for it, what's your top three all time? I think I know what it is, but I want to hear it from the horse's yeah, mouth. Number, number one, well, you know, I think a lot of people think it's Hulk. You know, Hogan's on my list. He's not top three. Flair is on my list. He's not top one or two, though. Number one all time for me is Vader. Uh, it, was, it was absolutely insane to see a big man like him back in the day move the way that he did. He just seemed invincible. Uh, number two would then be Ric Flair. Uh, I think I messed up what I said earlier, but yeah, Flair <laughs> would be number two, and then number three would be Ravishing Rick Rude. Oh, nice! Both again, guys I love three. Work on Mike. So, oh, yeah, Rude, yeah. Rude was Rude. incredible. Um, he deserved a bigger run in WWE. Mm-hmm. Glad he got that time in WCW. See, I wouldn't have had you pegged for Rude. I would have thought you would have gone with Dreamer. I like Dreamer. The thing is, is Dreamer's kind of fallen down on my list. Uh, the last couple of years, I feel like, you know, he's kind of tarnished his legacy a little bit with some of the, the shenanigans and stuff. I, you know, the dark side of the ring thing, I didn't care about that, whatever, but it's, it's, he's kind of become more of a comedy, um, act, you know, with impact and things like that. And it just, it really killed it. I like ECW at its height dreamer, uh, beyond that, he's kind of, yeah, he's kind of hurt some of how I felt about him a little bit, to be honest. I, I agree so. with you on that one. I mean, I agree with Dreamer as well. I love Dreamer. I love ECW, but what he's doing now, it's almost like he needs to hang it up and just walk away. Let's be honest, Narge. You yeah. like Rude because he is ravishing. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, I, you know. <laughs> well, they have How many guys can tights? get away with wearing tights like Rick Rude wore, though? <laughs> no. I don't know anybody. You got to be able to back it up, right? I mean, if you're going to wear your opponent's wife, uh, face on your crotch you better be ready to back it up so. i could probably do okay in the tights as long as it's a waist down shot <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants to see all this otherwise no. promise you no. now the reason Narge likes rude is because they have similar body types you know with the abs and the and the rippling muscles and, and the ab protection yes yes <laughs> Narge, did you ever see the picture of vader and rude when rude's holding the pistol like in the marriott parking lot or wherever it is I don't think I've seen that. That sounds like something we'll have to share on the page. Yeah, I'll have to find it. But there's just like a candid shot somebody took of those two sitting, standing outside of one of their rental cars and Rude's holding the Glock. It's ridiculous. I've never seen that either. I'd like to see that myself. Yeah, you would have thought it'd be double A, but no, it was was Rude. So my top three, I mean, everybody who listens to the show knows my number one. It's Arn Anderson, you know, no-brainer for me. Then my other two, probably my top two, other than Double A, would be Eddie Guerrero. Just he was one of the guys that really got me back into wrestling around '95, week with the new stuff. And then I would probably have to go Owen Hart. 
and that would probably be my top three guys. I always thought Owen was better than Brett in every way, shape, and form. So, three of the best workers I think that uh, wrestling business has ever seen, right there in your top three. Yeah, I've always been a work rate guy, and uh, they're those guys are just so much fun to watch. Uh, you were talking about Vader Narge about how he's an athletic big guy, and it was so unheard of back then. A guy who is around now that reminds me of Vader a little bit, not in the character, but just in his work, is probably Otis, who had a hell of a match last night with uh, Randy Orton on Raw. Yeah, he really did. Otis, you know, he, he may, he's making the best of whatever he's been given. Um, anytime he's in the ring, it's quality work. I mean, some of the stuff that he can do in that ring is very impressive. I know Otis is my three-year-old son, one of his favorite wrestlers. He thought last night... Otis had a real shot at winning that match last night. Murray was in here with me cheering him on. So uh, it, it's pretty crazy. I, you know, I'm glad they're doing something with him. Yeah. Even though you know, sometimes Chad Gable comes across as an afterthought to WWE. Uh, but I'm glad to see he's being used. I think, you know, last night with the roster kind of being depleted because of COVID, it was nice to see him get, get a moment there on Raw. I think they could do a lot with Otis. I think, I think, uh, you know, he came in with, uh, the tag team there and then, then now he's kind of with, with Gable, but I really think they could make him a top heel, um, if they wanted to. And I just think it would put the right character into him in the right situation. You can make a big powerhouse out of him and make him, you know, even when he did with Orton two weeks ago, when Orton wasn't able to get the RKO on him, I thought that was a good movement forward with his character. But then we see last night they kind of backtrack and let Orton get the RKO. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I like Otis a lot. I think they could do a lot more with him, and I do see the similarities with him and Vader. Yeah, with the the RKO, I mean, yeah, it took him four times to get it in the match last night. I would have liked to see them save that for a pay per view. Have Orton just agreed? Like, have it maybe get to uh, have Alpha Academy challenge for the titles, and then have Orton be able to hit it on him. But. Uh, a lot of people complain about Otis being a heel right now, but as far as I'm concerned, there's very few things more entertaining to me in wrestling than a good monster heel, and Otis can definitely do that. We don't have any right now yep. either. Not really. Well, almost, but I think uh, they got a lot. Yeah, to but do almost, almost can't talk. That's that's my problem with almost. You you have a mic to to uh, Otis. And I really think he can get himself over that way, too. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think almost needs a mouthpiece to really get over it. That's where AJ was so valuable for him. But, I mean, if they put him with, like, an MVP, I think the sky's the limit for almost. Well, you know, thinking on that, the gentleman, uh, I can't think of his name, that is the manager for Diamond Mine on NXT. Oh, Bivens. Almost bringing him up. Uh, with almost would be, I think, a fantastic pairing. Yes, Malcolm Bivens, the former Stokely Hathaway in Ring of Honor. Yeah, I, I think he's I like being wasted call. with Diamond What's that? I like that call. I think that's a great yeah. call. Yeah, I think he's being wasted with Diamond Mine. I don't think they need a mouthpiece. I think Roderick Strong's good enough in that role uh, to speak for that, that, that type of team. I don't think they need to cut a whole lot of promos. You know, they're their wrestling base is kind of their their gimmick so yeah i think they could bump him up uh and go from there um, i don't know if you want to segue into this or not mark but how about uh, the gentleman that showed up that we were talking about almost an aj 
the gentleman that showed up to confront AJ again last night. Oh, uh, yeah. Grayson Waller came over from NXT for a little, little bit of the AJ rub on Raw last night. And they started that on NXT a couple weeks ago with AJ showing up there. And I think it's uh, it's a good way to really establish these young stars on NXT by letting them get in the ring with some of these veterans and really, like I said, get the rub from them. My question is, what's the end point? What's the end point with that, though? Is it somewhere down the line, maybe at the Rumble, that Waller's in the Rumble, and they, they have a something to move on that way? I mean, that's my question. I love Waller coming up. I think you make a great point, Mark, of, of getting the rub, but what's the end point with it is what I'm still trying to figure out. Well, well, I think, well, so Waller coming up, my, the promo last night led me to believe that this might be a permanent thing. I mean, he kind of made it sound like, hey, this is raw. I like being here. This feels right. To me, that kind of hinted it. That maybe he's done with NXT. I, I don't know. Um, or, you know, they'll do some sort of crossover thing for the next couple of weeks. But ultimately, I think he has to beat AJ at some point if they really want to put him over, right? And do we do that? I know a lot of people have really been down on how WWE has used AJ Styles in the last year and a half. So I really thought we'd see something different from AJ going forward, another face run. But I feel like he's just kind of being used to put over people. I mean, he'd helped put over almost as a partner. But now are we going to help put Waller over with him again? And, you know, and at what um, – how, how does that affect AJ, I guess, going forward? Well, I think AJ's Teflon at this point. I mean, he's proven to be a company guy. So no matter what they ask him to do, he's going to do it, and he's going to do it with a smile, which I think is going to – pretty much give him security until he decides to stop doing it. Uh, I could see this being a ratings grab for NXT, just trying to get the, the Raw's eyes on an NXT star because there's not a whole lot of Raw fans watching NXT at this point. They're still kind of reestablishing their, their fan base. And I would imagine Waller will probably toss AJ out in the Rumble, and then uh, AJ probably get the win back on either Raw or NXT, maybe a pay-per-view. I could see that. I could definitely see that, and I think uh, that's a that's a good call. I didn't even think about that that avenue of the ratings. I'm trying to get more eyes on NXT because it's struggling. Um, I do think there's some guys in NXT who, who get called up post-WrestleMania quicker than than um, some others, but uh, yeah, I, I, that's a good call on the ratings. So we were talking about the, uh, the young stars, and uh, over the last uh, few weeks, Narge, I don't think there's been a bigger star in the business than uh, Young Hook in AEW. He, uh, I saw his match. I saw his match with Bear Bronson on uh, Rampage, and damn, he's impressive. He's awesome. I'm, I am a, a hooker, as they're calling the fan base. I am. I'm, I'm all in on Hook. I know Narge's next career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What do you mean, my next career? Uh, I think you mean previous uh, career. You don't know oh, what yeah. I do on this uh, on my downtime. Side hustle. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think but, they dropped the ball. Not calling them hook a lot maniacs. has been said about Hook on social media this week, based on uh, him getting up from the uh, the driver, the you know the pile driver type move. Mark, you know the name of the move on. Uh, Last week he he no sold it. Yeah, it was like a, so a lot of guys driver. in the business were giving him grief, but there were some a lot, quite a few of them coming to his defense. I'm on the fence about it because I'm 
there's a part of me that's worried. I mean, number one, Hook is great. I love the style, the suplexes and everything. But I'm worried that they're going to go the route with Hook that WWE is going with Dominic Mysterio, where they're having him just be a carbon copy of his dad. And like I said, the suplexes don't bother me, but the no-selling just screams Taz from 1995. Hey, we should uh, take a second. <clears throat> Narge just uh, sent us a note. Uh, so it was, and this is not uh, wrestling related, but it's important. Uh, I guess they've just announced that uh, John Madden has passed away. Ah, uh, sucks. Oh so man, it's pretty, pretty boom, depressing. Yeah, it's uh, very sad. Yeah, I, I and I feel the, uh... it's terrible. Uh, we were watching the football game the other night, and I'd made the comment that he'd had a documentary coming out, and it came out over the Christmas know, day. Usually, yeah. I said usually when this type of thing happens. It's not too far after that if they're still alive, they're not with us anymore. I didn't expect it so soon. So yeah, uh, it's unfortunate. NFL, Madden, football, the whole thing. I mean, it all yeah. goes hand in hand. You think football, yeah. you think John Madden. Yeah. So oh yeah, great coach. If you ever played video games any anywhere or at any age, you think uh, when you think football, you think Madden. That's all you think about. Yeah. So uh, yeah. this is coming from TMZ. Uh, I'll read what they wrote. John Madden, the NFL coaching and broadcasting legend, who's also the namesake of the famed Madden video game franchise, has died, the NFL announced. He was 85 years old. They said he passed away unexpectedly on Tuesday morning. Nobody loved football more than coach, NFL commissioner Roger Goodell said in a statement Tuesday evening. He was football. He's an incredible sounding board to me and so many others. There'll be n- never be another John Madden, and we will be forever indebted to him for all he did to make football and the NFL what it is today. It's about right. Yeah. And uh, also, there is a uh, wrestling connection with Coach. He uh, put uh, Bobby Heenan on the all-Madden team one year as, as the manager. Uh-huh. So, so there is a wrestling so connection. So there's a wrestling tie-in. So... Uh, so I'm not. We're not going to do the the bells again. We've already done it once. Right. But uh, I invite anybody listening to if you got a drink in your hand, raise it up, and let's uh, let's toast the coach one more time. I would be happy to do that, my friends. I'm going to go get that bottle out of the fridge right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure everybody can guess what kind of bottle it is, too. Well, I don't know why I listened to last week's show, gentlemen. I enjoyed that thoroughly. We had a blast. <laughs> Tequila Narge is my like favorite character. Yeah, when when me and Narge get to just a little buzzy, we tend to just loosen up a little. Yeah. I do, too, but I don't do it as often as you guys do. Yeah, we're just practiced. That's true. But uh, so so getting back to what we were talking about, uh, it was a very worthy detour to take with, uh, with Coach Madden. But uh, getting back to Hook, Narge... What do you see out of Hook in the next uh, next few months? Well, so what I'm curious is I think there's going to be a showdown with Tony Nese. I th- that, that, I think, would be a fun match. I know they showed Tony in the crowd watching, as mentioned it. Um, ultimately, at some point, I, I, I think they want to build to a match between Hook and Cody. I know afterwards when the cameras stopped rolling, Hook and Cody had a little confrontation of sorts after Cody beat Sammy for the belt. And I, you know, I, it's, it, to me, it sounds like they're strapping the, uh, strapping the rocket to hook and, uh, sending it straight to the moon here. So, which hooks proven himself in the two matches that he has I, that's early. And I know, you know, it's a lot to say, I think it's time to step up the competition a bit. He's wrestled two, you know, lower level card gentlemen, 
I'd like to see him with uh, somebody a little more talented so, and uh, see what he does. So do you think they can keep him as a heel? Because, I mean, he's over right now. Like, the fans are seem like they're solidly behind Hook. Oh, yeah, he's over like Rover. Uh, I think I told you the other night what I'd like to see at some point is maybe some jealousy out of Ricky Starks. And uh, maybe Ricky, you know, says he runs Team Taz. Something like that. I don't know. Do we have Hook and Taz break away where Hook says, I'll get your belt back, Dad? You know, something like that. Or does Hook break away totally from the team and do his own thing? But I think Ricky Starks would be a great matchup for Hook at no, some I, point in the next year. I agree. With I think that. as much as he's over, I think you're going to see him have to turn babyface. Uh, whether Taz does with it or he goes on his own, he's going to have to because I think you're going to see Cody turn heel. Cody's got to turn heel. Cody's got to do something because he's the fans, the, the, nobody wants him right now. And that's his own fault. He tried to get too big too quick in my eyes. Um, and with the show and try to be more like, you know, the Miz and this this star, where if he just welcomed him when he was there. Um, but if, if they're going to put the title back on Cody and push that hook towards that, I think you're going to have to have Hook as baby face. Okay, so you, you mentioned Cody. Narge, I'm going to ask you this. Do you think this is just transitional with Cody winning the TNT championship? I've got my own ideas, but I want to hear what you think is going to happen. Uh, I do. You know, at first I, I didn't make sense of it. I'm like, why put Sammy on the belt only to drop it this, this soon? I, I think Cody knows what he's doing. Cody is telling everybody, I'm a baby face. I'm this and that. He's building heat. He wants this crowd to hate him, but he wants it to be bigger than what it already is. Mm. Um, there, there's going to be a showdown at some point here, but I think Cody's building his brand. And at some point here, we're going to see somebody else. He's going to start to build this new, bigger baby face to battle him. I think, you know, he wants that Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes angle. Um but he's got to build himself as the Ric Flair. He can't build himself as the Dusty because the crowd doesn't want that. No. So who do you think who do you think he can build to be the babyface? And Steven, I don't know. That's the thing with Hook coming out. Hook, you know, has got that crowd support. I just I don't see him as the the white meat babyface. I Sammy Guevara, I thought has that. He's got that babyface look going to lose some of the cockiness i think they could do something with sammy um i wouldn't mind seeing cody and eddie kingston do something again i think the crowd loves eddie kingston kingston's a guy who i read the other day i don't remember what outlet it was put him up for aew wrestler of the year with guys like danielson omega and uh page i would I, I would agree with that I, I would have no problem putting him up there in the top Five six in AEW. Yeah, that, that works for me. Uh, I had a thought as far as who would be Rhodes' big big foil, and if you're going for that flare dusty dynamic, what about Moxley? Moxley can be that blue collar baby face and have Cody be Mister Fancy Pants, you know. And they could have a hell of a match. It it could, and I mean Moxley coming back from this rehab stint, and every I mean the crowd's going to embrace him. They're going to love him. They're going to you know. There's going to be a lot of fanfare for when Mox comes back. He's going to be cleaned up. I, there, there's definitely a possibility there for him to come back and grab this belt from Cody, and I think it that leads to a lot of options between those two. Uh, I agree. I agree. I think, uh, yeah, when Mox comes back, you, Nard, you hit it on the head there. 
it's going to be thunderous an ovation when he when he comes when that leaves the kits and he comes back for the first time after his rehab uh, here. Uh, let's hope it's soon because I miss Mox. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. So speaking of Moxley, Narge, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but uh, GCW said that they're going to be making an announcement sometime tonight regarding the World Heavyweight Championship, which currently Moxley is still their champion. But have they said anything more since uh, since this afternoon? That's funny you said that. I've been on their Twitter refreshing it for the last 30 minutes, hoping <laughs> to break that news on here. For I hoped us. you so, would. I haven't seen anything yet. I don't imagine... It's Moxley coming back. I have a feeling they're going to, I bet they strip him of the belt and maybe hold some sort of a tournament. Maybe like a, you know, a little four man sort of deal. I don't know. Um, but you can't have your champion out this long. He's the main guy. Um, and right now GCW's missing him. We spoke the other day. GCW hasn't talked about Nick Gage in several months. Um, so I'm not really sure where they're going, but I would assume with the Hammerstein ballroom show coming up, they want to crown a champion. I, I have a feeling that's what we're going to get that night. I think it's going to be something related to that belt and Hammerstein. Yeah, I, I was hoping that they would crown a new champion, maybe in Hoffman Estates in about three weeks. But it makes a lot more sense to do it at the Hammerstein. Do you guys think, and then this is my opinion, it's kind of off topic, but you mentioned Hammerstein. That's one of my favorite wrestling venues that doesn't get talked enough about, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. I love the Hammerstein Ballroom. Yeah, there's so many it's great also a good event venue. Oh, good. If for all the ECW moments that we saw there, I've almost appreciate more of the stuff that happened in Ring of Honor there over the last 15 years or so. Just, I mean, uh, match with Joe and uh, I think Joe and Morishima might have been in the Hammerstein in 07. Then uh, all the title changes. I think it was Homicide beat Danielson for it in 06. So, yeah, it's just a very iconic small venue, which I love watching the small venues like that. Yeah, I do What's too. funny is, for aesthetically pleasing as it is, from what I understand, the the fans that go to it don't necessarily enjoy it as much. I've heard it's, it's one of those venues where there's a hard angle, and if you're in the wrong seat, you can't see because of the pillars and things like that. The wrestlers and, you know, people watching at home love it, but I've heard people that attend shows there uh, it can be kind of uh, good and bad. So, One thing I've heard is that the ring crew doesn't particularly care for it because uh, I think it was Kyoto in an interview said taking a ring into the Manhattan Center is a huge pain in the ass with the elevators and it's just very hard to navigate. So, Oh, yeah, I believe it. All right. Get my phone to wake up here. So we kind of touched on it, Narge. Uh the ugly COVID bug has hit the WWE again this weekend. And uh, they had to do a whole lot of shuffling on their big Madison Square Garden show. Uh, Edge wound up wrestling Owens from the cage. And then they had to shuffle up Raw last night. As the, yeah, the COVID bug hit well, everybody. Though, for... Yeah, I think, you know, COVID's kind of hitting everybody right now. I thought Raw did pretty well. I thought they rebounded and um overall it was it was one of the it was a raw show that i watched more than some of the others the past couple of weeks so it's you know it's always entertaining to see some other people get a little time so 
I actually thought Raw last night was one of the better shows I've seen in probably the last three to four months. I thought it was just, I, I know that Omos, it was supposed to be Omos and AJ, and they had to move it because Omos went home um, after the MSG show. Uh, but uh, I actually thought getting Apollo Crews on there and seeing him and AJ, I thought that was a fantastic matchup that I could probably watch another two, three, five times because uh, Apollo is underrated in my book. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was one of the better shows I've seen overall. And, and I usually don't watch Raw. I DVR it, then fast forward through it um, and stop at the points I need to stop. But uh, but I thought I actually sit and watched Raw last night. Dwayne just interjected on the chat that uh, he believes Raw started out in the Hammerstein Ballroom. Can anybody confirm that? It started. In that the is Manha- correct. It started in the Manhattan Center. It wasn't in the actual oh, ballroom. That's right, that's right. But in the same building. Good, 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 uh, good, good on you there, Dwayne. And yes, Mike Carey, we know you love the coconut tequila. <laughs> so yeah, no, I thought the show good. I thought them bringing Eric Bischoff out was a wow moment. And yeah. you know, Eric's got his hand in everybody's pocket. He was on AEW just a couple months back, and then you know he's he's had some words for Tony Khan on Twitter and whatnot. Now he's showing up on Raw. I read an article today that a lot of people felt like Eric's appearance was probably a Bruce Pritchard thing. Uh, Pritchard and Vince and them weren't at the show, and they kind of felt like maybe him sending Bischoff in was Bischoff was kind of his guy to report back to Bruce on how things were going. So whether or not that was the the reason for it, always nice to see Easy E on TV. Yeah, I've always been a Bischoff fan. Uh, speaking of Vince, did I heard he is selling his house in Connecticut. Uh, Thirty-two mil. Actually, I saw where that. I think it was a report from Sportskedia, uh, where that report was originally from. That uh, they said that is not the correct house. Oh, and they were they uh, retracted their statement of of him selling this house. His house is actually the old Bundy household, right? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. See, I figured maybe WWE is moving all their operations to Florida or something, and he was selling his house to move down there. But uh, it is a moot point, apparently. Sports think, think, had it wrong, believe it or not. I think guys like that, they don't have to sell a house to move. They just fucking move and worry about the house yeah, later. That's true. I true. could be wrong, but I'll tell you what, if I hey. had that kind of money, I'd have houses everywhere. Yeah. Here's a great here's that's a great point though. Why haven't they moved headquarters to Florida? Probably tax reasons of some sort. It could be. Possibly. Where where are they based out of? Connecticut. 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 Out of Stanford, uh, Connecticut. I'm I don't know what Connecticut's uh I mean I know North Carolina's got some pretty lenient financial laws, yeah. but I don't know about Connecticut. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. But no, that's a, that is a good question because, I mean, everything is out of Florida now as far as their shows and all the wrestlers live down there now. It seems well, don't like. they? The, like giant training centers down there for their the PCs WWE, in Orlando, right? yeah. The right? performance yeah. center. Now, where's AOW also based in Florida? Even though? in Jacksonville, yeah. Yeah, so. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, unless you get it from the horse's mouth himself. But, uh, we need you to give us a call, Vince. Yeah, yeah, Vince, if you're listening, I know you're a big fan. Just call us in, and we'll put you on. Uh, so on our show, we're doing our year in review this week, and uh, we have the poll up for all you listeners to go in and vote for the uh, match of the year, and the poll is closed. The year. And uh, I wanted to make sure something got mentioned because when we put the poll up, we put it up t- two weeks ago today, so it was on the Tuesday before Dynamite. So the Adam Page Brian Danielson match is was not on the poll, and that's why it wasn't slighting it or anything. Just did we have an option to write it in? Uh, not after it got uh, set up. So I just um, know that we always talk about getting the poll up. Yeah, right. 
<laughs> but uh, <laughs> when you get to a certain age, it's actually a conversation you have to have with your friends and your doctors, apparently. Yes. But uh, Narge, let's start with you because you're I know how big of an AEW fan you are. What did you think of the, the match? I know you're not a fan of the long matches. You've told me every time I have a throwback. But <laughs> I mean, they went an hour on TV. What'd you think of that? I at first I was like, I can't believe, you know, as time kept going on, I couldn't believe that they opened the show with it. Um, but I enjoyed it. You know, I didn't think there was too many slow moments in the match. I thought even my wife was watching it with me and she's like, oh, wow, this is a good match, you know, and she doesn't care for work rate or any of that. She just kind of watches for the storylines and stuff. I, I thought it was fun. I thought those were the right guys for it. Adam Page is just getting better and better every single week. Uh, Brian Danielson's amazing. For me, though, I would have liked to have saw a better ending. I know you enjoy the the time limit draws and things like that. I uh, I, w- I would have preferred to see a more definitive ending of some kind, even if it was a disqualification. I don't know. Maybe people would have been upset with that. I I know I'm not a fan of the rematch idea with the judges, so I'll say that before we even get there. It seems silly to me. I don't I don't think you need judges for a match. It almost makes me think that they're going to go to another time limit draw. I mean, it's just kind of they've kind of showed their hand at this point. I think you're going to wheel out three judges, and I've I've got my opinions on who the, that'll be. And uh, I, th- I think they go to a draw again. We're, we're wheeling them out. Are they that old now? <laughs> well, I don't know. To be I I think that <laughs> there'll be a couple of old fellas. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you now. I think Ric Flair is going to be one of them. I think this is how they bring Ric Flair back. Why don't they bring uh, a, was it Fonzie? There'd be a guy to have on as a yeah. guest. <laughs> yeah, friend of the show, Big Alfonso, would be a fine choice, I think, to be a judge. He knows the rules. He's a referee. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you, Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I don't. I like 60-minute draws when necessary. I don't want to see one every week. But uh, with I, I, I think you're right. I think the second match will go to the, go to the hour, despite with the uh, judges. And then... I think that needs to go into what's the next AEW pay per view? Is it Revolution in February? Uh, yeah, I believe that's right. I know they're gonna. Is, is this show gonna be at the Battle of the Belts special? Right. This the is gonna be match? the Battle of the Belts. Yeah. Okay. So and that's in Carolina, North Charlotte. So mm-hmm. yeah, after that, I think it's Revolution. Okay. So what I think they'll do, I think they'll go the draw on the rematch with the judges, and at Revolution, I think they'll go no time limit. Just scrap the timing all together. And I could see them doing something that Danielson did in Ring of Honor where he went 75 minutes with Roderick Strong in 2004. So I could see them really just going all in on the long match and going even farther than 60 minutes on a pay-per-view. Are, are the long matches basically the like the president of the wrestling promotion punishing two wrestlers by saying, yeah, you guys go ahead and do this for an hour. We'll see how you last. A lot of the guys want to do it for an hour. Really? Yeah. Oh, Especially Danielson. Man. I don't know about that. I think I'm with Marge on the idea that no, that's just too much. Well, here's here's my thought on on this. I don't mind the long matches, the sixty minute, the Iron Man matches, whatever you want to call it. But when you have a roster like they do and have built, you're when if you do that on TV, you're taking time away and exposure away from some of the other guys, and that's the problem I have with doing it on TV. Pay per view, I don't mind whatsoever. Um, I agree with you. I think with the judges and everything, it'll be another draw. Uh, but do it on pay per view. I don't like doing it on TV whatsoever. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, this uh, match I think is gonna—is it gonna be on the first Dynamite in, uh, on TBS? Correct. 
so yeah, I think they're I think they'll do it just to get eyes on it, and it's a big show. So, uh, I saw Dwayne commented uh, said there were judges for Flair and Sting at the Clash. He says he doesn't remember who won. It was a split decision, so Flair wound up keeping the belt. Dwayne, but that was a that was a classic. It was forty five minutes, so it wasn't the actual. It wasn't sixty. So that was a well, short match. So it has. Yeah, I think that kind of. The legend, you know, you're, but they're probably going to have three legends. Do you, do you have any picks, Mark? Do you think these three judges will be? I assume it's three. That makes the most sense. It's got to be an odd number. I mean, even number judges makes no sense. Uh, Flair makes sense. I could see Dean Malenko being one of the judges. He's one of the he's one of the main guys in the back. Uh, what maybe, about what about bringing Hulk back? Just because now that he's back in good graces, it's a good way to let him in without putting him on the spot anymore. I don't think they'll mm. spend the money just to have him be a judge no? on TV. I think they'd save it for a pay-per-view. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I think it'll be Malenko. I think it'll be Jerry Lynn because he, he's respected former world champion. And then uh, if not Flair, I would say Jericho. Just get the, uh, one, of the, one of the boys out there. Yeah, see, and I'm going a different route. With it being in Charlotte, they're calling it the Battle of the Belts, which is a throwback. Uh, name for a show that they, at what NWA had done. I think it's going to be Flair. I think it's going to be Tully, and I think it's going to be Arn. I think they'll bring out two we know, and then they're going to bring Flair out, and you're going to get three of the four horsemen uh, as the judges for this thing. That that's interesting. I got a question. Uh, the Battle of the Belts. I don't know if you ever saw. They, it was an annual event in Florida in the '80s, and probably the greatest match in on that show was uh, Flair and Wyndham for the world title. It went, uh, I think Flair won, but that makes me wonder: what if Flair and Wyndham are two of the judges? Uh, definitely possible. Uh, why not? I mean, Barry's out there still, and I know they're talking about uh, bringing in his nephew at some point. You know, yeah, so he's always out there. Anything possible, Keith? Any thoughts on the judges? I, 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 I like both routes you guys are going with that with Flair and Wyndham or Flair and Tully and Arn. I think in Charlotte, you're going to have Flair. Um, I know he's not in the great graces of WWE right now, and and I think he's he's moving towards that AEW just because I think AEW is a lot like old WCW and NWA were. They work that side of the territory, and Flair, I think, is a good fit as long as they keep him in line. But you can have a lot of storylines come out of those judges too, on who chooses who and and how you do that. And uh, with Arn, with Cody, and and Tolly with FTR, and you can align a lot of things. And and if you're creative with it, write a lot of storylines for a long period of time, with depending on who you have as judges. Yeah, definitely. Uh, either way, I think it's going to be entertaining. I mean. Tony has proven he's pretty good at creating spectacles on uh, on his TV, whether I agree with his booking decisions usually or not. But uh, but I think it's going to be a great match regardless. Of, I don't think the judges will play that big of a factor in it. But Can we get Jay Lethal and Ric Flair to, to be in the same building again, please? I may have to put that on the uh, on the on the page. The old uh, impression off off from Impact several years ago. Oh, that's one of my it was favorites. gold. Well. AEW would have to remember that they signed Jay Lethal first That's of true. all. Because, That's very true. You know, since they brought him out. He's, he's become an afterthought, which mm-hmm. I don't have a whole lot of negativity towards AEW. But, um, you know, I'm finally getting to that point where I think Mark had been a couple months ago 
there might just be too damn many people on the roster. You bring in the Ring of Honor, one of the best champions they ever had, and, and he's relegated to dark or elevation or whatever, and you forget he's even on the show. It makes no sense. He was in the Diamond Ring Battle Royal a couple weeks back, and he was thrown out one of the first two or three guys in the match. Why, why not let him at least work till the end there and put you know put a little on him? I just I don't understand the thought process behind that, but no. I don't either. I'm with you on that one. I think Lethal is very talented um, on the mic in the ring, both, and I think bringing him out in the way they did and challenging Sammy for the for the TNT title was a great way to do it. But you didn't follow up with anything. You know, we're coming up on a on a break here in a couple minutes, but I have a bone to pick with Tony Khan. Uh, I don't know, Keith. Did you watch Final Battle? This guy. Uh, on the, that's the one. But uh, did you watch the Last Ring of Honor pay per view on the eleventh? I did not. I have not got a chance to watch that yet. Have you heard what the most talked about moment on the show was? FTR coming out and uh, with the Briscoes. That's I'm right. Excited for to see where that comes. I'm really hoping the Briscoes come to AEW soon. That's my problem. They should have been there the Wednesday after the pay per view. Because by now, people are forgetting all about that exchange between FDR and the Briscoes. But maybe, I agree with you on that a little bit, but maybe you want them to forget. Because then it becomes bigger when they show up. I don't know if I agree with that. Just because, I mean, that was such a hot angle. You would think you'd want to strike while the iron's hot, as the old cliche goes. But uh, I really either... thought when lights went out on Dynamite a couple weeks back, um that the Briscoes were coming out to help. Uh, was it Darby? It was, yeah, Darby or, and Sting. No, Punk, to help Punk. And then we get Sting and Darby. And I think the crowd thought it was the Briscoes mm-hmm. as well. It only made sense. You had FTR, you had MJF. Punk and the Briscoes have a history. It, I, I felt like they dropped the ball on that Sting, Darby, whatever. I'm, I'm over those two being together, in yeah. my opinion. So I thought that was a missed opportunity. I agree with you, Mark. Yeah. No matter which way you slice it, between Lethal and the Briscoes, you got three of the very best in the business that Tony's sleeping on, and I don't get it. It just, yeah, it just boggles my mind. I still am trying to figure out this whole Sting and Darby angle with them together. I have since day one. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't know what it is, but I don't like them together. I mean, I get, like, Darby's young. When Sting first showed up, they wanted to give Darby the rub. But, I mean. Right, I get that. But uh, it's, it's been long enough now. Let's, yeah. let's move on. I'll tell you my big problem is all the tag matches they've had together, Sting's the guy that's been getting the pin. And Sting doesn't need to be getting the decisions. That's not helping Darby at all. And it's not helping, like, say, 2.0 or FTR, all these guys getting beat by a 62-year-old man when they're supposed to be the the top of the top of the game, you know. Agreed. Keith, I have a question for you before we head into the break Twelve. as Mark was talking. 12. That is a great answer. <laughs> the question was, what is your IQ? So, 12. Next- <laughs> <laughs> so now, uh, a little bit ago you mentioned something I think has been a, a kind of a, a strong talking point here on the show is the storyline thing. So I think, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, Mark and Mike, but Mike has kind of moved over to AEW where he feels like storylines have been fresher. And Mm -hmm. that a lot of what Vince is doing today is either played out or just plain stupid. Uh, Mark tends to still be a little more of a WWE fan, but he hasn't really 
jumped on the storyline angles as much as I think he just, you know, likes the home team. But what is your view there, Keith? I mean, what do you think about the whole storyline in either of the promotions? Uh, you know, are they good? Are they bad? Is somebody doing... Because, I mean, there's a lot of talk that Vince is losing people to AEW, and it's because of the storyline angle. Oh, I agree 100% on that statement. Uh, I am a big storyline guy. I'm a big creative guy. Um, I think WWE creative has dropped the ball tremendously over the last five years. Um, I, I When AEW first came on, I enjoyed I, I was like, okay, we'll see what they can do. But they are doing long-term storytelling, which I love. Um, they're doing some short-term, too, and I don't think that they're not doing everything right, but I am more interested in what AEW does week-to-week than I am WWE. Now, I think what WWE has done with Roman Reigns and the Bloodline storyline, I think that's been great. But what Raw has done is is garbage. I mean, there is no storytelling. There's no – they're wanting to turn quick. It's, it's quick turns. You know, it's, it's let's get this for three weeks, get it on pay-per-view, and then move on. I'm a long-term story. I want six months. I want a year story. That's why I enjoyed Omega and Paige, uh, just because you knew it was coming, but it was all drawn out, and there was little stories within a story. And I think AEW has done a fantastic job of doing that. I think if they want to continue to grow, they have to continue doing that and and being creative and not refurbishing old storylines from old school wrestling they've got to come up with new things that can keep younger generations minds involved that makes sense that makes sense i agree with that i think we'll all agree that their creative was at its best when it was vince bruce and patterson sitting outside of vince's pool just booking the shows and that was all the creative team they had maybe they were drinking tequila who knows what they were drinking or maybe they are now (laughs) they could be either on bath salts now Bath salts. They're in Florida. They are now officially Florida, man. Well, well the WWE, and my, my biggest thing, and I think I've talked to Narge about this a little bit too, is the fact that they hired creative people who don't know wrestling. Yeah, that's my big sticking who, point too. If you, if you don't know what wrestling is or weren't a fan or weren't a part of it, and you're just a Hollywood writer, wrestling fans will turn on you quicker and all get out. I mean, they, they, you're not going to write good stuff because it's not believable. I think it's gotten to that point with WWE that the stuff they're putting out there is just, it's not believable. No, and they're... Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna compare Tony Khan and AEW to uh, Marvel, actually. I, I feel wow. like Tony's kind of taken some pointers from the Marvel franchise and the multiverse and all this. Tony is not afraid to take chances. He's not afraid to do the stuff that the internet suggests that maybe we wouldn't think possible. I mean, to get guys like Sting out there who's 62 years old and still wrestling. Mistake. Or to bring out randomly, you know, one week they have Eric Bischoff. The next they've got Jake Roberts. I mean, Tony is like a 16-year-old fan just kind of booking the show. I mean, look at Kyle O'Reilly. He leaves WWE one week. A week and a half later, he's showing up on AEW, and we've reunited the Undisputed Era. Which is awesome. this kind of thing. You're giving the fans what they want, and I think Jericho has – spoke on that before too he said why give the fans what they want and i think mark has a problem with giving the fans too much of what they want i think he'll he'll admit that uh, i don't point. mind that i just feel like we need to kind of trim the roster a little bit it's my only gripe with AEW. there's so many people and some are falling by the wayside and not getting the attention they deserve i just read earlier joey janela and sunny kiss 
are going to do a no rules, no DQ match, I think, on AEW Dark this week. That's a feud that started six months ago and has been dead in the water for four months. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden they're going to do this this kind of blow-off match. It's just that, that doesn't make sense to me. So it's little things like that that I think AEW needs to work on some fine-tuning. You know, people pay attention to that stuff. So yeah. I think uh, Rampage do, needs to go to two hours, too. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. I think that would help the ratings. What is it currently? One hour. Okay. One hour, 9 o'clock p.m. on Fridays. You mean while everybody's in a bar drinking? Yes. Or the really Correct. young ones are in bed and the right. teenage ones are trying to find a way to steal from they mom should, and dad's liquor cabinet? They should move it to Saturdays at 6.05. Gotcha. But, uh, yes. I'm yes. Gonna, <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna make one more point, but we, we are right on top of the break. With O'Reilly going to AEW, a, it's a great pickup. I love O'Reilly's work. And the thing that I like is he did it the right way. He didn't bitch at the office and ask for his release or quit in a huff or try to con him like Jeff Hardy did. He waited for his contract to expire, and then he was free and clear to do what he wanted, and he chose to go to AEW where his friends are. And I'm I'm fine with that. I do disagree with Cole being back with Fish and O'Reilly. Fish and O'Reilly need to be Red Dragon again and just really beef up that tag team scene because they, they're on the cusp of having the best tag team division in probably 20 years in AEW. I'll agree with the best tag team division in 20 years on that, but I love Cole with Fish and O'Reilly because I think you have storylines set up for Omega to come back with the Bucks and have the elite versus undisputed era. And a storyline, because who knows when, when Omega's going to come back. I just think you have that storyline already built, and they're starting to slow process that now, and that's why I'm, I'm going to enjoy this one. Yeah. How familiar are you with Ring of Honor like the last five years or so, Keith? Uh, somewhat. I mean, I, I mean, I know the guys who were there, the Briscoes and and those guys, and I don't follow it, you know, diehard like that. But I'm I'm pretty familiar with it. Well, I made a point to Narge, and I actually tweeted this around the time that O'Reilly came back. There was a group in Ring of Honor called the Kingdom, with uh, Mike Bennett, Matt Taven, and Adam Cole as a trio. That was a lot of fun to watch. They were great. Bennett and Taven were tag team champions. Cole was always in the title hunt. And with Ring of Honor gone on hiatus, I th- I thought they should have Bennett and Taven come back and get with Cole. Because nobody, number one, nobody would expect it. Number two, it would work. And then... Who says they can't? Yeah, but, I mean, if they're already pushing Fish and O'Reilly with them, I mean, they're not going to have a five-man group. At, uh, no, what I'm saying is, is that's a swerve. Yeah, and I'm always down for a good swerve. But uh, well, I, I guess... read today that uh, Bennett and Maria, more than likely, it sounds like it's almost a done deal, are heading back to Impact. Oh, that works too. Hopefully they'll take Taven with so, them. That's a possibility. What I, I wanted like to see before we on the break is, uh, <laughs> oh, I like Maria too, is instant, similar, Mark, I know once doesn't want the trios thing to happen, but what I wouldn't mind seeing is Cole turning on Red Dragon and then Red Dragon brings Omega back. So they almost swap, you know, Ooh, the head guy. That's interesting. To get Omega and Red Dragon against the Bucks and Cole. Either uh, way, either I, way, that just creates excitement, though. Yeah. Right. And it's, and and it's something different. Things up a little bit. I think you get Omega back as a baby face. So. Yeah. I would definitely be down with that. Uh, all right, guys, we're going to go ahead. We're going to jump into our break for a few minutes. I'm going to go and use the can and then. Uh, all right. Before we do that, since we have Keith on tonight. Uh, Keith, why don't you give everybody the 30 to 45 to 60 second sell on what you do? Because you're not just here talking to us tonight. You have quite a bit of stuff on the line yourself. 
I do. I got a lot of stuff on my plate. Uh, I host the Full Count Podcast, which is a baseball podcast with Dinger Bats, uh, which is a major league baseball bat company out of uh, Southern Illinois. Uh, my good friend Kyle Drone. And then I've also uh, in the process of uh, founding and starting Clubhouse and Lounge Radio, which will host uh, local music and musicians, bands, uh, venues, high school sports, uh, and a plethora of other things that we're continually working on. Jumping the Rail, great podcast. Uh, along uh, as well. I've heard so of that one. Go on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, CHLRadio.com. Uh, we've got just added some new music today from Cody Jinks, uh, Haley Withers. We've got bands like Lick Creek. Um, guys what? like uh, Zach Tompkins, a lot of local guys from central and southern Illinois. There will be no mainstream music on this station. Well, that's a uh, blessing, that's isn't it, Narge? Uh, yeah, that's a refreshing. Yeah, it, it because you know, there's no outlet for these guys anymore who are playing, and I want to make sure there's an outlet for them. I got some uh, independence. So that's what I'm working on I got now. some independence. So, I'll get to you, brother. Sounds good, and uh, we'll get that. And high school basketball, we're doing that. We'll do baseball, we'll do football, and it's just kind of a place everybody can go. There's going to be bars on there, uh, links to all the bars around Central and Southern Illinois where you can see who's playing where. Uh, we'll have T-shirts and stuff as, as coming up as well, but a lot of things in the works for that, and pretty excited for it, guys. Sweet, sweet. Well, we're glad you're on the show with us today. I'm going to ring us out for our break with a song by a local band, actually, called The Hangovers. The song is called Trance. Hey, hey you know what? What's that? They're on the station, too. Oh, well, then people are right now going to get a preview of what the hangovers can do. Uh, Mike and Keith, I'll hit you guys here on the Zoom while we're in break. Hang on a second. Can you guys hear me?
Welcome back. We are into the second half of the show here, and uh, Marco, I think you know what time it is. It is time to break down our list for the year in review. It is the year, and it's, holy crap, there's a lot going on. And what a year it was. Right. Okay, so let's uh, let's start with that, generically speaking. Narge, is there a single thing for the entire year of 2021, and we'll call it you know, late 20 through early December of 21, a single moment in wrestling this year that stands out above all to you. Uh, wait a minute. Let's try it again, Narge. Narge? Okay, we don't have Narge for He's some thinking. reason. Keith? Anybody? Uh-oh. Well, he's not muted. And he's not muted here. All right, hang on a minute, guys. All right. Mark, do some fill while I figure out what just happened. That's all right. I love doing fills. So, <laughs> Steve's aren't too bad either, huh? Right. But uh, so oh, it's working. while we're waiting on these guys to get back in, I'll just remind you guys the uh, match of the year poll that we had up. The uh, the choices you had, Shingo versus Cobb, Wrestle Kingdom, Balor and O'Reilly from NXT, Kushida and Gargano from TakeOver, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker on Dynamite, the Lights Out match. Cole versus O'Reilly, uh, Josh Alexander and TJP's Iron Man match from Impact, uh, Edge and Rollins from SummerSlam, Volter and Dragunov from TakeOver, the War Games from GCW in Chicago in September with 440 against the MDK gang, the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers cage match from All Out, Danielson versus Suzuki from Rampage, and Briscoes versus OGK from Final Battle in, uh, on the 11th. And this was our poll, correct? This was our poll, and the poll is right closed, on. and we do have a winner. And Uh-oh. we'll get we'll get into that. Uh, right we'll save on. that for last. Right on. Narge, can you hear me? I can, yeah. I yeah. missed the beginning of it. it no, no, no. That was, my, that was my fault. I had, uh, I had muted the feed from us to you, so you guys didn't hear me asking. So my question to you first, Narge, and then we'll go to Keith, then we'll come back to Mark here, is what one – one moment in wrestling for the let's call it 2021 but late 20 to you know now late 21 what one thing in wrestling any promotion any event any person doesn't matter any news story stands out to you above all of them for the year uh it has to be cm punk coming back i mean i wasn't a punk fan i never thought it would happen um but cm punk returning earlier this year uh just that 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 was it for me i don't think it gets any bigger than that to be honest now he he came to aew correct yeah so he had left wwe some years ago right he left uh, seven years ago seven years ago went to ufc and did movies and stuff right 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 he was for all intents and purposes he was done with wrestling so cm punk's return to the world of wrestling was huge Mm -hmm. and the fact he returned to a different promotion was also Kind of doubled it up. That that part was predictable. Cool, cool. <laughs> well, it wasn't going to be anybody. It was going to be a. All right, Keith. How about you? Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you. I got there you, brother. Is, there I, is. I, for me, um, I think Punk was big, but I man, I literally got chills when Edge returned at the Rumble. I think it was it was twenty. Um, to me, in the last two years, that's probably been my coup de gras. Just knowing that a guy with a broken freaking neck, uh, no, but uh, he had to come back and go through so much. It had been ten years. I got chills when I saw Edge, and I, I love Edge's entrance and seeing him get emotional coming out. Um, to me, that that was probably – I love Punk. I love that. I love seeing Cole in AEW, but to me, it was Edge. 
Nice. Okay, Mark, what was your one moment? So I'm going to go a little more big picture than, uh, than these guys. They're going specific. He's painting a tapestry now, folks. The biggest moment this year, or in the last two years, I would say it was probably just WrestleMania having fans in the building for the first time since last March. Just It made such a difference with the atmosphere, and the show itself was great at WrestleMania in April. And, uh, yeah, it just seemed right to have have not even a full house, but just having 25,000 people it's, at it's, WrestleMania. I mean, think about it, it's ironic, right? Because five years ago, fans are in the building all the time. Four years ago, three. Last year, because of the absence of a lot of events and then the absence of fans at events, kind of created this weird void that now they all come back. You're like, holy shit, we're back. Yeah. That, I, I totally get that. Yeah. I really do. I thought the... Uh, the WWE's methodology during the break, where they like had the wrestlers around the ring, I saw, I think, maybe, you know, cheering and that was know, AEW. Rooms. Was it AEW? Whatever yeah. it was, I thought it was just odd. Yeah, and Maybe. I got why they were doing it. They wanted to keep the they right. wanted to keep it going, but it just it felt empty. Yeah, everybody had the right intentions, like WWE right. doing the Thunderdome want to break a fart in church but right. I get why they did it. They wanted to have hey, something visual a, on the outside. I'm a but. I'm a football fan, right, and. Watching those matches overseas in empty stadiums, but it sounded like the stadium was packed because they were pumping, pumping in house music. Yeah. And you know, you thought it was just for the show, right? Like we're watching, we're hearing it. No, they were pumping it through the PA in every arena, yeah. so that the players on the field felt what yeah. would only be described as their energy. And that's what WWE has been doing too, and they're still doing it, even they're though they're not Yeah, and that gets a lot of um, negativity from the the smart fans that think that they know everything. Not, right. not like me, who actually does know everything. <laughs> uh, Unlike the encyclopedia of wrestling knowledge that is Mark Rebman. They call me the Wrestling Rain Man for a reason, Marco. So we got hey, a lot hey, Daryl of... Heisey's listening tonight. Hey, Daryl, my buddy. Daryl! Daryl, he, like he is like the world of rock and roll in Champaign, right. Illinois. But he's also a part of the Wolfpack. You can't you, see me. I'm good? doing the fingers. Uh, <laughs> Wolfpack. That's a, that's a, uh, what's that show uh, with all the little girls and John Stamos? And they go, oh. Full House? Yeah. The I, girls call themselves the Wolfpack. I didn't know that. Yeah, you might want to rebrand quickly. <laughs> all right, my, then. Not my brand. It's, it's uh, Kevin Nash. <laughs> so, Marco, we got a lot of topics to get Whole into. A whole lot of topics. You guys ready for this? All right. I'm going to read off what we're looking for, and I'm going to name somebody, and then I'm going to rotate you guys through that way. So, first one is, what is the who or what, or the move, right? The finisher of the year. Mark Redman, you go first. So I'm going to go with one from Impact Wrestling. I mean, there's a lot of great finishers out there, but not a lot of them, like when we talked about this before, is not a lot of them are protected to where they really seem effective. But I'm going to go to a guy named Josh Alexander, the walking weapon in Impact Wrestling, and his finish called the C4 Spike, which is basically a butterfly pile driver that I have seen no one get up from so far. And it just looks awesome. It's one of my favorites. Jay Briscoe does it in Ring of Honor. He calls it the J-Driller. I think Kid Cash did it in ECW. But it just looks so cool, and it looks brutal. So I, that's that's my pick. I mean, I love everything about Josh Alexander, too. All right. Uh, let's get your opinion now, Keith. Finisher of the year. I'm this, this is the one where I spent probably an hour thinking about and and going through and, and now trying we know to what all the out. sirens in Monticello were. <laughs> That's right. Uh, brain was on fire. Um, but <laughs> I, I go back to just a trusty one, and that's the RKO. I really 
it doesn't matter you know what's coming what he does but he just does it from anywhere and does it with ease and so i just love the rko and i think that it doesn't get enough credit of what it should all right narge what you got for us brother uh, for me, I'm going to go to AEW. So uh, Darby Allen and his coffin drop. That's a move that, you know, whether he does it inside the ring, outside of the ring, it's always done with reckless abandon. I think it's a unique move. Um, and it's just fun to watch. You know, when he gets up there, he's either going to crash and burn or it's going to be awesome. Uh, last Wednesday in the, uh, the, the six-man match, I thought that was a fantastic way to end the match with him hitting the drop. All right, so Narge, what I would like you to do now is – as a guy that has never seen this before, describe to me exactly what a coffin drop is. Yeah, absolutely. So Darby gets on the top rope, and he so he's on the top rope. He faces out to the crowd, okay. crosses his hands over his chest, and then dives backwards with his back landing on top of his opponent. So it's almost a belly flop, but in reverse. So it's a Des Bryant falling in the end zone backwards. But he completes his... Uh... His attempt catch. Yeah. Oh <laughs> no! Me and, me, got him. Me and Mark watched that earlier day, and even he like said, "Oh yeah, that was a catch." He had everything there. Just want to be clear about that. Throw hey, up the uh, X, baby. Real, real quick before we get to the next one, this right on. this is a massive brown M M&M and M for this uh, this episode. So if you guys have a thought to any of any of these topics, throw them on the chat. We'd love to hear from you. I yes, like what Dwayne would. said. I think the buckshot lariat from Adam Page is is one that I. I gave real consider to just because of the way he does it. Well, and I see Lariat, and I'm like, oh, my God, somebody's cowboying it up. <laughs> well, do cowboy shit. But uh, I'd, I'd agree, but my problem with that one is it takes a whole lot of setup. you yeah. got to get on the apron. you got to do the slingshot. It gives the guy a lot of time to react. Well, But, but it still looks cool, though. Cool. All right. Moving on to the next one. This one here should be a pretty interesting one. I'm going to throw this one at Narge first. Narge, male wrestler of the year. What do you got? Oh boy! Um, Say Effie. This Say one, Effie. this is a tough one here. I got, I got somebody in the studio helping me. Now. Hey, what's up, boys? <laughs> Bye, Baker. Uh, <laughs> so that was Baker, everybody. Baker Mayfield. Male. Baker, yeah, Baker. We don't want to talk about Baker Mayfield. We talk about Bakes. Uh, we talk about little Bakes. Yeah. Little Bakes. We got he. Got, we got Daddy Shakes and Little Bakes. For me, this past year, as tough as it is, because I'm not a fan, I haven't been a fan. That's another beer. This year, it's got to be, be Roman Reigns. Really? So, Go ahead yeah, and explain. And That's awesome. Roman Reigns sort of credit, but he's totally reinvented himself. Maybe, you know, in WWE, he's the one guy doing everything right. Um, he's held the belt now for... What's, what's going on? 500 plus days, something like that, right? At least over mm-hmm. 500, yeah. I, I will admit, and shock there, Narge. I will, because uh, he's WWE. Absolutely shocked he is, with but that he's one. The one good thing about, he's the one thing about WWE that I think is amazing. Well, I think it's awesome. I just, I'm really shocked that that's where you went. That's awesome. All right, uh, Mark, male wrestler of the year, go. Believe it or not, I'm actually going to uh, agree with Narge. I had Roman Reigns for this one. Uh, wow. I mean, it's like you see, he has, he's had a death grip on that Universal Championship. He's had, I've never seen him, and people are going to think I'm nuts. I've never seen Roman Reigns have a bad match. I mean, he knows what he does well, and he sticks to that, and very rarely makes mistakes in the ring. He's now he built, comes from lineage, though, right? He's, he's got a, a lineage. He's of from wrestling. the Samoan dynasty, right? But uh, but he's built like a brick shit house. He's strong as an ox and just crazy athletic. 
And like I said, he's having the best run of his entire career the last year and a half. Now, on a side, do you do you guys think that Roman Reigns, like, because uh, like The Rock, and then uh, Jason Momoa, right? They're in the same the Samoan lane, right? I don't think they're related. But I thought they were all part of the same like they're they're all Samoans, right? Right? But right? They're not related. But so I'm not saying they're related. I'm saying they're related by the Samoan thing. Yeah, they're okay. So. Two of them have become very successful in the movie industry. Do you think Roman Reigns is the guy that could get there, or is he not that guy? Well, Roman was in a movie. He in was a in, movie? He was being... in Hobbs and Shaw which, uh, with The Rock. But right. I can see him being like Aquaman's evil brother or something. Do you feel you know, like thing. he has the chops to do that? I think so. Okay. He's All got right. the charisma. Right. He's well-spoken. You know. Cool, cool. Keith, male wrestler of the year. Yeah. We're gonna go. We're going to go with the trifecta here, and, and I don't have to say much because both these guys have said it all. Uh, Roman Reigns is my male wrestler of the year just because of the way he invented himself from and has carried the hill persona. I think he's done fantastic with it. I think putting him with Paul Heyman was the perfect way to do it. And uh, as Nard said, he's done everything right. Dude, that is awesome. I mean, here, let's just go with this real quick. (laughs) I don't think we've ever had complete agreement on anything on this show to that sense, I mean, that is great for except the entire for how, year. Except for how good Terramana is. Well, yeah, we all love the Terramana. <laughs> all right, moving on. Blanco. Uh, Keith, I think you've gone last a couple times now, so you get to go first, which means we're diving into your fantasy world now. <laughs> we want to know what your female wrestler of the year is. Mm, I don't want to uh, hear her vibrator. I want to hear your answer. <laughs> <laughs> um my female wrestler, I think, hands down for me was Dr. Britt Baker, uh, DDS. Uh, she, I think she has carried AEW's female division. I think she has almost outdone every WWE ladies wrestler as well. Um, and she's just, uh, to me, is, is personifies what AEW and their women's division should be. I, I love Britt Baker, and I think she's my female wrestler of the year. Nice, nice. Narge, what you got, brother? Uh, you know, Keith didn't just nail it. He drilled it with the oh, doctor. Hey, let's, uh, <laughs> let's not go too far with the sex puns here. That was a dentist pun, and I applauded. <laughs> pull um, out, pull out. The thing about Britt Baker is Britt Baker was somebody that WWE could have had on their roster. They cut her. Um, you know, for a while there, when she was signed by AEW, she was just Adam Cole's girlfriend. And to be honest, as the year went on, I feel like she kind of passed Adam Cole up in the most talked about category. Did he become Britt Baker's boyfriend? Kind (laughs) of. That's great. I said, did he become Britt Baker's boyfriend? Yeah, pretty much. That's awesome. Uh, There for a while, you know, but Britt Baker's lights out match with Thunder Rosa really set her apart. Um, And she, she took that image, that bloody image of her. And just really worked it for the rest of the year. I mean, the attitude, the confidence, the promos, all of it. Britt Baker's a complete package in my book. So I agree with Keith. You know, I, I don't know if we'll we'll all be in agreement. So let's see what Mark says. But I think Britt, uh, number one for me. I need Arch. a sound effect that says home run just in case. Hey, did uh, WWE didn't actually sign Britt, did they? She, I know she did the Mae Young Classic, but I don't think they ever had her actually under contract. No, well, I, maybe I misspoke. I said they had the opportunity yeah. to sign her, I yeah. believe is what I said. Yeah, but then I thought you said they cut her, and I don't think they ever actually had her locked in. Well, it, I don't well, mean that's, I know, I mean, it's, actually, it's apples and oranges. Regardless, <laughs> didn't they have her, though, a few years back and have her under contract in NXT, but she wasn't there very long? I think she was just doing enhancement back then. 
but okay. I don't know that. All right. It's now Mark's turn to answer the question. So I'm going to be a party pooper. I, <sighs> but I'm going to preface, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Britt Baker, uh, DMD. I'm doing the fingers like Tony does. But I think there was somebody that was just a little bit better this year, and that is the virtuosa Diana Perrazzo in Impact Wrestling. I mean, she had a, she was the women's champion for most of the year. She was regularly having probably the best matches on the shows. And I think, and the thing that gets her over the hump, shut up, is... <laughs> is, <laughs> I'm just uh, going to leave that one alone, apparently. On top of being the Impact champion for most of the year, she lost it to Mickey the last month or so. But she also won the Reina de Reinas championship in AAA later in the year. So she got to be a world champion in two separate promotions, and maybe at the same time, if, if my timetable's right. So that's why I've got her at the top of my list. But if she's number one, I've got Britt number probably 1A. So nobody with the man? She wasn't no. there. She only came back in August, so <sighs> she didn't have the whole year. You know I, what I, I don't love know, about those I don't three know how choices happened, from all of us? What's, what's that? that? Is nobody, nobody chose anybody from WWE, which I absolutely love. Uh, because I think their division after the whole women's evolution, revolution, whatever it was, um, they just, you've seen these other companies really step up their game in the women's and WWE has kind of put them back to the wayside. But they, but WWE has some great talent that they got Bianca. They got, uh, you know, Raquel Gonzalez had a great year in NXT. Short, cute blonde. Alexa Bliss. She's been off TV for Mm. most of the year. But yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of her. She's, She's still great. amazing. She I could... heard a moan. Yeah, Alexa, quit moaning Alexa into the microphone. Too busy cutting. <laughs> Alexa was too busy cutting promos and doing kind of a Bray Wyatt ripoff, you know, more tribute. than in ring work. I if say I tribute. Had to go WWE, it would be Bianca for me. I, I think she's one of the top. I'd agree. Nice. Oh, there. Agree. Charlotte's always solid. So um, those would probably be the two women for me. I think Dewdrops had a good showing here. Yeah. Uh, second half of the year. Yeah. Also, Sasha Banks is consistently one of the best in the uh, in the company. But nice. But All right. So I think. Well, I think, and I hate to say this, I know we got to move on, but I think come next year, I think we'll be talking about Bailey again in the top three. I agree. Agreed. Uh, she's going to come back, and I think Bailey's going to make an immediate. Bailey impact. wins the rumble. I'm calling it now. Woo. Yep. You guys I sure it won't be call. Dwayne's woman? Uh, no, she's she's busy being unemployed right now. And not, been not, being, making not only unemployed, it. but <laughs> telling everybody how fucking much she loves being unemployed, apparently. Like, yeah, she's, like she's kind of sour puss in it, isn't she? She's getting that unemployment money yeah. and just living it up. So I'm going to answer the next one myself first, only because doing this podcast, this is number 11. So that means 10. That means I've been involved about five months, give or take, right? Yeah. And I know nothing about wrestling. But I'll tell you guys right now that to me, the comeback of the year it's fucking CM Punk. I don't care what anybody else says. That is the comeback. Because, again, like you said, seven years. But I know this. I know that when he came back to AEW, when he well came to AEW, I should say, I know there was electricity. I saw all of my wrestling fans go, holy fucking shit. I saw these two guys lose their fucking minds over that whole picture. Because they're like, holy shit, CM Punk is back. And apparently it was a great entrance. So... The next one is comeback of the year, but I have thrown my vote in the hat the one time I can, maybe, for CM Punk. And Mark Redman, I want to hear your choice. I'm with you. It's Punk. It's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, Well, I'm all, an idiot, so that's with, good. No no brains needed. With all the guys that just jumped companies, whether it was WWE to AEW or Impact to AEW or MLW to Impact, just like you said, Punk's been gone for seven years, and 
I know he had said he was worried that people would forget him. And coming out in Chicago in August, he came and made it very clear that nobody had forgotten him. And, I mean, the matches aren't at his usual elite level right now because I'm sure there's, I mean, there's seven years of rust to shake off. But the promos are still there. He's still got all the charisma, charisma, listen to me, charisma. Let's try that again. That he had back when he was with, uh, even with when he was with Ring of Honor. So, uh, yeah, I think he's bar none the uh, the biggest comeback in 2021. Nice, nice. I just want to really <laughs> quick interject that Dwayne Carter Uh-oh. is the listenest motherfucker we have. I pissed him off. No, no, no. <laughs> Everything we're talking about, he's he's got a comment for, and that's that's fucking awesome, Dwayne. We really do appreciate it. We do. Uh, he said he's not a Britt Baker fan. He knows she's the most logical choice, but she doesn't do it for him. Nobody asked you. Well, you know, she's not Nia Jax or Nia Jax. How do you say that? Nia? Nia. Nia she's not Nia. We know that. Uh, he said Chris. Oh, no, Rachel. Well, no, that's not Rachel. That's, that's fucking Tyler. Tyler. <laughs> Christian or Edge. Uh, Dwayne said something about Chris Jericho. Uh, he didn't yeah. really come back, though. But I want to say that Dwayne is very, very. Oh, definitely come back. CM Punk, Dwayne says. Okay. Maybe, All right. Maybe he said Jericho for May. I, I like the fact well, that Dwayne I, is invested in this. Yes. This is good. We, Mike, Mark, should we agree? We should have Dwayne come in as a studio guest one time. He sure seems to be angling for it. With all Dwayne, the I want you to comment below. I'm telling you right now. Would you like to come in studio one time and be part of the roundtable? Yes or no? That's all you got to say. We'll come up with the details later. Anyways. Hang on. Uh, Nard, were you about to say something? Well, yeah, I didn't get it. I didn't get a speak on comeback of the year. Oh, no, uh, I haven't gotten there yet. I was, I was, I was moving along. <laughs> so, Nard, you're next. Well, I don't agree with CM Punk. CM <gasps> Punk was a moment for me, but as far as comeback, his in-ring work, it's okay. I mean, I think a lot of it, to be honest, is the aura around CM Punk. People see that. For me, I'm, be, I'm a little different. Maybe I'm biased, but I think it's Nick Gage. Nick Gage was Ooh. out most of 2020, returned in 2021, became the GCW champion, really helped put GCW on the map, was featured on Dark Side of the Ring, was featured on AEW. Uh, during the labors of Jericho. So for me, it's Nick Gage. I think Nick Gage had a phenomenal year, and really he's one of the main reasons, one of the main reasons, Matt Cardona's another, uh, that GCW has kind of crept up there to be the, maybe the third promotion in the United States. I would, uh, I would argue and say that GCW is probably the most authentic promotion in the United States. That's fair. I think oh, the yeah. wrestling, their their show from a uh, pure athletic entertainment standpoint, it fucking smokes everything I've seen. All these other shows, these guys are just they they seem invested in what they're doing. Yeah, and we'll have a chance to discuss that in two weeks. That. He lives, he doesn't live a gimmick. Nick Gage is himself. Yeah, and I just think some of the attention he's turned negative attention against himself into a positive thing for a company that is trying to do right by its fan base. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, Keith, your turn. I respect Narge's uh, answer, but I'm going to go with Punk as well. So, three out of four ain't... Yeah, it's t- <laughs> still bad, but... Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah. So, Narge, you didn't choose CM Punk, but it was not because of his reappearance. It was because of what he did afterwards. Is that correct? Yeah, him coming back was a big news thing. I, right. I I honestly think he's lost a step. He does look good for somebody who hasn't been in a ring full-time in seven years. He really does. Um, 
I think he's making better match choices now. In the beginning, somebody like Darby Allen's not a good match for Punk. I think Punk and MJF is going to be good. I expect a lot out of that. Uh, and I think it's only up from here for Punk. I think he'll have a great 2022 for sure. Wouldn't surprise me to see them strap the belt on him by the end of the year. Ugh. Ooh, that would me. I hope not. <laughs> that would me. That I, is I, a I subject you, for Narge, the next episode. That he has lost a lot. I think he looks older, which he is, um, slower. And, yes, you can tell he's been out of the ring for a while. I hope they don't put the belt on him because I don't I think we'd they like have to much welcome, better choices. We'd like to welcome Keith Gibson, I, the I, official I ageist. That, Keith. I, I, don't think, I don't think it's a good idea to put the belt on him. But Tony is a bit of a fanboy as much as I like Tony Khan. And I think, you know, Punk, they did a New Year's resolution thing the other day with all the AEW guys. And Punk's resolution was to wear gold by the end of the year. So I'll say, um, I'm going to say this. Does if he, he get it before MJF? I don't know. Or does he take it off of MJF? I, it, it's going to be between them two, I think. Nice. Um, see. You know, but we'll see. Who knows? Tony, Tony could wipe the whole slate Wednesday. Who knows? Yeah, I think uh, if Punk does win the title, and I'm with you guys, I hope he doesn't. I think he's going to be Danielson for it. I think that's what that's how, that's how they build to uh, those two finally getting in the ring together. It's got to be got to have the belt on the line, and it's I don't think it's going to be it all out in Chicago. Nice. Yep. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and throw my answer into this one too, even though I know I'm absolutely wrong. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm bought into this shit. The question is, what is the wrestling podcast of the year? And I say this one is not because we have the most listeners, not because well, we do actually have the most knowledge. His name is Mark, and he knows every fucking thing about wrestling ever. But uh, this has actually been a lot of fun for me. So I call this the best wrestling podcast of the year. Mark Redman, your turn. Well, despite my clear bias that I love doing this podcast, I mean, I'm also a realist and <laughs> There's a lot of great wrestling podcasts. And he podcasts. listens to other podcasts. I do. There's a lot of great wrestling podcasts out there. Conrad Thompson has a lot of them. But the one I'm going with, I'm going with uh, Jim Cornette's Drive-Thru every uh, every Monday. It's uh, basically a Q&A where he and his co-host Brian Last will go, like they'll break down shows. And then they do they answer emailed questions from the fans. and He'll tell stories, and give his uh, his honest opinion in his mind. About just about any topic you could possibly conceive, whether it's politics or wrestling or COVID or whatever. COVID sucks. And he does it with very colorful language. Fuck no. Even though he messes, with, he gets on Kevin Gill's case about using the f bomb too much. But Fuck yeah. Cornette's uh, not really one to talk in that case. So yeah, that's my pick. I'm going Special with Corny's drive-through. Kevin Gill. Yes, Kevin Gilmark. Oh uh, yeah, we will. We will have Kevin on in two weeks to talk about uh, GCW. He's the uh, ringside guy, right? Or the announcer. the what? The announcer. The color guy, right? Put up play. Commentary. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. 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 All right, uh, Narge. I'm going to go ahead have you answer this one. Uh, wrestling podcast. Yeah, I'm here. probably the least um, into the podcast thing. Probably between the the. Myself, between Mark and Keith. For me, if I listen, the one I listen to the most is called 83 Weeks with uh, Conrad Thompson and Eric Bischoff. Again, I'm an yeah, Eric I'm Bischoff fan. I like reminiscing about wrestling when I was young, and that's that's essentially what they do. They get on there and kind of talk about uh, Monday Nitro and the, the weeks that they were beating WWE back in the day, back in the Attitude Era. So that's the one I, I find myself gravitating towards if I want to listen to a podcast. So. 
But are you a fan of this one? <laughs> yeah, this one's all right. I, I tune in uh, for that Marco guy. He's he's pretty good. I like him and his, uh, you know, knowledge. His lack of knowledge. <laughs> but it's, it's never better than when we got Kyler on, though. Kyler is a, Kyler is my favorite podcast personality of the year. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's Nargetastic Voyage all the way. Keith, <laughs> well, for me, I love eighty three weeks. I've listened to it several times. I've listened. Okay, guys, to what I just heard with. is we're not going to be appearing on Clubhouse Radio anymore. Well, yeah, you will <laughs> yes, for, forever. I love. Yeah, I love doing this. Uh, this is a great show, um, and I'm having a lot of fun tonight. But mine is actually busted open. Uh, on Sirius XM, I love uh, that show. I just, to me, it's it's they hit all genres and they don't hold back either. So I enjoy listening to it more than anything. And I'm in my car a lot too, so that helps. But uh, uh, you know, I love 83 weeks. I do love Bischoff. I think Narge made a great point in the fact that the reminiscing. Because I tell you what, I, here's here's what I do with well, it was WWE Network Peacock now. I go back and I watch, uh, you know, with the Rumble coming up soon. I've started going back and watching from Royal Rumble number one and watching all the, try to watch all the way up to it until the new one. And I do the same thing with every pay-per-view. And so the big four anyway. Um, but nice. yeah, to me, Busted Open is my favorite. I'm a big fan of Busted Open. I listen to it on uh, Sirius. I don't listen to the podcast, but I listen to when it's when it's live every morning. I've, I've always got it on in my earpiece on when I'm at work. Actually, I can. Yeah, they that. shouted you out the other day, right, Mark? Yeah, they uh, they're doing kind of their own little year in review every day. They're talking about a different subject. And yesterday, they had their top five male and female wrestlers list. It was him. It was David Lagreca, the host, and Tommy Dreamer. And people were on Twitter chiming in, and I put my two cents in. And he wound up reading my list on the air toward the end of the show, which was pretty cool. I wish I would have done it under the uh, podcast account, but that was my mistake. So, in response, I, I wound up tweeting Dave LaGreca, and I gave him an open invite to come on this show. I haven't gotten a response yet, so cr- cross your fingers. He said on the air today he loves doing podcasts, so I'm hoping I can parlay that into an appearance. That'd be awesome. Yeah, because I know he'd bring listeners, too. Yes, he All would. Right. All right. All so, right. we had podcasts of the year, which is fantastic, but now we're going to drill down a little deeper, and we want to know wrestling podcast personality of the year I just had mine no yeah you said I'll agree with we'll go with narge first I'll, yeah narge go yeah uh, it was my son kyler he's uh, probably <laughs> the best boom boom you boom know, he's, he's got the he's got the most authentic view the most innocent view kyler sees wrestling from the eyes of a nine-year-old kid um so yeah my son kyler man you're gonna make me sound like an asshole hang on <laughs> He's probably the biggest star on this podcast. That's for Kyler. Uh, Mark. All right. So I'm going to stick with uh, with Keith's opinion about Busted Open. And my guy is actually going to be Bully Ray. Damn you. <laughs> we can both have it. But no, Bully. Share she children. Said, share. Bully is so smart. And everything he talks about, when he's whether he's criticizing a, a show or praising it, he always has logic behind it. Like he... He'll tell you if they mess up the booking, here's how he would do it. And it makes every time it always makes perfect sense. And uh, then he's always, he's got fun stories. He always busts Lagreca's balls, and it's just highly entertaining. That's why I like him, too. Uh, it's, it's a fact that he just doesn't 
talk down about a show or or a performer or anything he tells you like his reasoning behind his thoughts and to me that that's like standing up for for yourself but telling people why that's why i like it too mm-hmm. yeah unlike like Greco, who just goes off on half cock rants nine times out of ten just it's, i don't know how he hasn't broken every microphone he's ever used when he starts yelling and carrying on they have limiters i would hope so i mean we hope <laughs> all right so keith can we just say you acquiesce to mark's choice yeah that's correct <laughs> nice Look at that. We used a word so big, yeah. most wrestling fans won't understand Also, it. and to be fair, I piss Bully off. <laughs> like our, my, yeah, you like our third show. you commenting on his shit. I do. You're an asshole. No. I'm, you I'm, have the coin to prove it. I do. I, it's at home, but I'm not drinking. So. <gasps> Narge, I could have made him buy me all my drinks tonight. Jokes on I, you. I'm I have a coke. drink poured. My wife poured me a little restoration rye whiskey from Castle and Key Distillery. Oh. What a woman Between that has. and the muscle relaxers, I shouldn't admit this on. You're a thing. I'm feeling pretty good. I uh, I have my last. I, what is that? About three shots worth? Uh, two. Two to three shots worth of tequila left from a bottle. Is that the Terramana? That's the no, 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 no. This is the. Uh, hang on. This is not wrestling brand. This is Camarena, which is my favorite. Like. Rail tequila. You, well, it's not a rail tequila. It's actually good it's a, tequila. It's a jumping the rail they, tequila. They keep, yeah, it's a jumping the rail tequila. Uh, <laughs> they keep this shit sub. The podcaster of the year purchase for you. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they keep this shit under thirty bucks for the best shit, which is the añejo. And uh, I found it finally because they just started making it. And yeah, that whole bottle's empty now. Uh, no, it's not Terramana, but it's good tequila. So moving along, uh, we're looking uh, for the. Nope. Get large <gasps> Oh, no, he did it. He did it. Kyler. Oh, he said Kyler. Oh, my mistake. Motherfucker. Uh, I'm see, the one no. drinking. Stop. <laughs> Let, just drink your diet fucking Kyler Coke. It's Coke God Zero, damn, man. Listening to this. Yeah, Coke was, Zero. I, apparently, zero fucking IQ points. What's that, Narge? I said Kyler was downstairs and was very excited to get mentioned on this show. He wants hey. to know when his trophy is. Yep. Kyler rocks. You guys, I want I want to I want to say this publicly because this way it goes across the air to like the other seventy seven thousand of you that listen. Uh, Mark for Christmas. Mark Redman here, mm-hmm. the main host, decided to gift myself, Narge, and Kyler with official jumping the rail baseball jerseys with our nicknames Which were on awesome, the back. By the way, gentlemen, and uh, they, they have awesome. our favorite number, which for me, Mark knew. Nolan Ryan's the god, so I got a 34. Narge, what did you get? I got 42 for the reason that I love the Boston Red Sox, Mo Vaughn. Right on. And what did Kyler get? Number 24 for the kid. For the kid. And that was honestly, for the entire 2021, best Christmas gift I got because it was entirely personal, entirely directed at me, and that was awesome. So anyways, that was that. It was my pleasure. Awesome. They look great, by the way, gentlemen. And look and great. We, and every time we're out at a wrestling event, we must probably have. have yes, them on. I think when you guys go to GCW in two weeks, if you don't wear them, we take away cool points. <laughs> you revoke our asshole coin. <laughs> no, no, no. You're still I know. My, my boys are listening to the podcast tonight from the living room, and they keep saying, "Oh, Uncle Marco said a bad word. Uncle <laughs> Marco said a bad word." So I'm gonna need you all to watch your language. <laughs> How are they surprised? Hi, Murray. Hi, Bakes. <laughs> Hi, boys. Hello, Kaler. Anyways, uh, so after we did that, we got this one's a good one because I don't know any of this. 
Uh, Keith, we'll start with you this time. Newcomer of the year. I went with a guy who I think maybe not necessarily a newcomer in professional wrestling, but a newcomer as far as the eyes of wrestling fans. I went with Dante Martin. Interesting. A guy who I think really shined and really came out of shell and kind of made a name for himself this year. So he's my newcomer of the year. Solid choice. Now, you you were mentioning that maybe people would not understand your choice. Why is that? Well, just because he's he's not new to wrestling, but I mean, he's, I think, new to the average fan's eyes, if that makes sense, for what he's done in AEW. So it's it's like uh, new artists of the year in country music when they've had hits for 10 years in a row, but this Correct. was the year they finally had a number one. <laughs> right. Correct. Okay, yes. I get that. I get that. I can. Uh, Mark. All right, so Dante Martin's a great choice. I went uh, I went the NXT route, and I'm going to go with the current NXT North American champion, Carmelo Hayes, who has just been really impressive. He had a match with Adam Cole right before Cole left, and then he won their breakout tournament, got a title shot, beat Swerve Scott for uh, the North American title, and uh, then he was on the winning team at War Games at uh, the last, uh, well, technically a takeover, but it wasn't a takeover. And now he's got a big uh, title versus title match coming up, uh, I think, next week with Roderick Strong. So he's really been firing on all cylinders, I think, this year. Good answer. Narge? Yeah, I don't, I, you know, there's a lot of guys in NXT you could go with. There's a lot that I enjoy watching. For me, I'm going to go with a guy who's probably been on the scene for a long time, but this year's really made a name for himself. So really, I think he comes across as a newcomer, but that's Effie with uh, GCW. Effie is an openly gay professional wrestler who has transformed that into, I mean, really just making a level of acceptance on the independent scene. He's kind of the ringleader for that. I think we've all enjoyed what we've seen from him in the ring. Yeah. Um, I even mentioned yesterday we went to see Sing 2 and they played Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. And I leaned over to Marco and I said, I'm waiting for Effie to show up on this cartoon. That's his <laughs> yep. walkout music. So, That's right. Did, did, did uh, the characters have the pink Effie leather jacket? Me, I think this, yeah, with the <laughs> studded leather jacket. Effie's embroiled in a feud with Matt Cardona at the moment. And, uh, you know, I think that's the good route. But for me, he's newcomer of the year in my eyes as far as somebody who I didn't get a lot of, give a lot of attention to in the past. He's been on the indie scene for a while. But I really think he's one of those top 10 indie guys at the moment. Right. So, speaking of Effie and his apparent uh, flamboyant outing uh, in the WWE, the AEW, or the, you know, the, the bigger promotions. Has there been a wrestler as openly out as him ever? Uh, not openly. I mean, there's some that that are, have been gay, but they never were. They admitted out. or people assumed they were? No, they, like, they came okay. out. After, like, All right. The most notable is probably Pat Patterson, who's okay. a legend. All right. But he waited until like 30 years after he retired to publicly come out. It was kind of a poor, poorly kept secret. Do you guys think that now, now is like, you know, cause the WWE right now does not have an openly gay character or wrestler. Is that uh, they, correct? They do. Uh, Sonya Deville is, okay. uh, is openly a lesbian, I believe. Okay. This yeah, sounds terrible, yeah, but, but there's an old saying about that. They don't, Go ahead. they don't publicize that. So I think right. WWE still, they're towing that family-friendly line where they're right. afraid. They're afraid. They let the superstars feathers. have their personal life, but they don't come out and say, 
you know, I don't remember this WWE do uh, pride thing or anything. They don't really do anything like that. Uh, they've got the bully thing and they've got. I know Finn used to have rainbows thing. on his gear. But... What about AEW? What do they do? Do they have anything? I don't think they've done any pride stuff, but they do have Sunny Kiss and Nyla Rose okay. and, you know, people like that. All right. Which I think, yeah, Nyla Rose is a big thing. I know last Wednesday there was a transphobic comment in the crowd on the sign. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the sign said, you know, this guy's dad is Nyla Rose or something. something like and Nyla that, yeah. Rose is a trans individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they threw that fan out of the building. I know Jim Cornette had something to say about that. He felt like. That fan should have been allowed to say, stay. So and GCW, that back in the day, you know, that was called getting heat. Um, right. So right. there's, you know, there's a fine line. So there's stuff. a fine line there. So yeah. GCW has Effie, who is an openly gay character. He's actually an openly gay man, but he's an openly gay character, and he's obviously been well accepted. Because I'll be honest, because all of us watched him, and we've 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 watched GCW. You guys brought it in. We all watched and all that, and we absolutely accept and are impressed by him and we we don't have any like issues has the major wrestling gcw actually promotes a show that effie holds at all the big events they they call it effie's big gay brunch yeah and that this brings in all the lgbtq community type wrestlers right and they put a whole show on based on that and that's one of the most attended events the whole weekend because nobody gives a shit about that they right. care about the wrestling, and that's what's nice about a majority of the wrestling community. They don't care if you're gay. They don't care if you're black, if you're white, whatever. They don't care, they care which the is the story that you're putting on. Right. That's, you're correct. They don't care. Like As long as you can but work. My question would be, do you think the WWE or AEW, do you think it's like you know about time they pulled one in and just said, you know what, we're going to make this a part of our show as opposed to... We might have a gay guy wrestling or a gay girl wrestling, whatever you want to call it, but they don't. There's no storyline there. But Effie definitely is a fucking storyline. I well, here's why. Here's why in the big companies you won't see it. it's because of of branding, money, and sponsorships. I think right now you're looking at WWE wanting to grow uh, with Fox and USA. I think right. that is something that you won't see see them go that route. I don't think you'll. You may have openly gay, but you aren't going to see them go down that route to promote it. And I don't think you'll see it in AEW either because there's too much money that can go one way or the other. Do you think we're in the right place and time to do so, though? AEW teases it. I mean, they toe the line. I mean, honestly, they have, um, you know, like Mark said, Sonny Kiss, who is a man, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I think Sonny on Twitter goes by he, she, all of the the pronouns. I think Sonny's uh, pronoun fluid or whatever they call it. Right, but they don't do anything with them. I, I told you they've got him, her, wrestling Joey Janela this week, which is a match that should have happened four months ago. I mean, they started a feud, but then it, and I don't, and I don't understand it. There's a large group of people out there. Obviously, GCW's proven that who would support that type of thing. I get it from a corporate standpoint, Keith. You know, there's going to be some folks out there that are like, whoa. But if you look at a lot of these. Um, companies they're starting to do uh interracial relationships and commercials uh, i've seen some same-sex commercials so the opportunity for that is out there it's just going to take somebody with the cojones to do it and between the two of them i think tony 
Tony would be the one before Vince. I think yeah, Tony, Tony would do, would it do it. The, the thing to remember is WWE is also a publicly traded company, so they've got a board of directors to answer to, which I think could be uh, a big hiccup in that. Well, yeah, but with uh, today's woke society says that the board of directors should say, "Let's let's get this involved if yeah, it exists." But, but the board of directors is also probably mostly old old men, so I think that's where the problem is. With AEW, yep. you asked if the time is right to actually. Mm-hmm. As long as it's not forced, I say yes. I agree. I, if it's forced, it's obviously only it's, for promotional right, purposes. Right. Yeah, we don't. If want they're doing that. it for a promotion grab, I think it's right. a mistake. But right. if it's organic, I'm. I'd say I'm sure, go for it. Okay. Do we so, agree that Effie could be the guy to really spearhead it? Though he has the personality, he has the look. Oh, definitely. I would. Lo- I would love AEW. to see one of the two yeah. bigger promotions that. pick him up and rock at his storyline. They don't have to make him a champion. What they have to do is make him a champion of the people. They have to make people go, we love and accept this guy. He is awesome. He is amazing. He's got the talent and the skill. It's not about win or lose at that point. It's about let's have this character exist so people get there. Honestly, I could see him fitting in really well in Impact Wrestling, not just instead of AEW and WWE. Okay. But that's just my opinion. What do you think, Keith? And, you know, Impact, Impact doesn't have the foothold that the other two have. And that's right. definitely somewhere he could start. And, and you come get in a lot and, of eyes I, you know, but you can't, you can't treat it like Adrian Adonis. You can't treat it like <laughs> Billy Gunn and Palumbo. Orlando he's got to come in and got to set an example early. All right. I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Newcomer of the year, I think we started yeah. with Narge. We started with me, then went to Narge. Uh, Keith. Keith's turn now, yes. No, I, I, I started with Dante Martin. Oh, Dante Martin. Oh, that was right. So, oh, we're done with newcomer. Fuck it. Uh, promoter of the year, Mark. Uh, <laughs> I know what the obvious answer is. He's going to say Vince McMahon. No, no. I'm actually going to no. do a 1A. I'm going to say Brett Lauderdale in Game Changer Wrestling. Just wow. for, for what he's done this year to get eyes on his product, preventing having great shows. I haven't seen him have a bad show in all the matches I've seen. And also the atmosphere that he's created at the live events. Because, I mean, just the one that Narge and I went to in September. The bloodlust? Not even bloodlust. People just No, wanna, I saw bloodlust. I mean, it's there, <laughs> but that's not the only thing. But people want to see good wrestling, and Brett presents that. He brings in very right. diverse, like, styles like deathmatch wrestling high fly and technical like you saw a match you saw alex cologne in a deathmatch two cold scorpio against effie and jonathan gresham against minoru suzuki on one show right i mean that's a pretty fucking broad <laughs> assortment <laughs> so so i put i put brett up there as uh my promoter of the year nice nice keith how familiar are you with gcw um a little bit i've i've kind of started following it more since i saw you guys there and and I kind of seen what they're doing when they're bringing Cardona and, and some other guys. And so uh, when Moxley won the title, too. So, uh, you know, I followed a little bit closer since then. Uh, but for me, it's Tony Khan. Khan is, is my promoter of the year, just for what he's doing with AEW. It's this guy? Correct. <laughs> the good con. The good con. <laughs> the con man. Nice. Uh, Narge, promoter of the year You know, is... I think. I Originally, I was leaning towards Tony, but after listening to Mark, Mark's not wrong at all. I got to go Brett Lauderdale, too. And nice. it's for that reason, Mark, is he gives you a buffet of options at all the shows. Any show I've attended. Oh, buffets. I saw one, match. <laughs> I saw one submission match. I saw 
for him to use the to bring Matt Cardona in, I, I don't even know if that's a category, but heel of the year, it, Matt Cardona. I mean, the guy has don't totally get ahead ran. Of us. They gave him the ball and said, do what you want with it, Matt. Lauderdale brought over John Moxley. I mean, who thought that was even a possibility? That's one of my favorite images of the year is John Moxley showing up at Joey Janela Spring Break 4 and staring down Nick Gage after Nick Gage and Ricky Shane Page went through a bloodbath. It's just he's doing everything right. It reminds me of ECW in the 90s. Yes. He's got that Paul Heyman mindset. Let's bring in some of the legends. We're going to Chicago to see him again in January. Yeah, and they're January fifteenth, I believe. They're bringing in Two Cold Scorpio. They're bringing in the Briscoes, Ricky Morton, PCO. It's just a hodgepodge of things. I said Ricky Morton first. Oh, they're bringing in a hodgepodge of things, and it just it works. It, for some reason, it works, and, and it's just it's a beautiful disaster. Hey, Narge, is it just Ricky Morton or is Uncle Robert going to be there too? They just said Ricky. Ricky's doing his own thing. I'd it's love to and... see old Uncle Robert. And his Ricky's the guy, guy getting paid to be know. there. Yeah. Maybe somebody else will think, show up. I think Ricky's son's booked on the show too. Uh, Carrie. He might be. But uh, what was I going to say? I had. Oh yeah. If uh, if you think we're not going to be schmoozing a lot of people in Chicago, then I'm afraid you got another thing coming. Not smooching, smooching. Yeah, we've, got, we've got friends now. After Ask speaking with Alex Colon and having yeah. Kevin yeah. Gill on, we've yeah. got we've got our foot in the door yes. of Game Changer Wrestling. So I think I what think would be interesting out. is if, uh, that day, that night, that evening, that afternoon, whatever, uh, and we'll discuss this offline, but uh, I'd like to see responses from the listeners. Maybe we do a live feed. I'll bring up the studio. Y'all zoom in, and y'all just like, you know, We'll just throw it up there. You got to commentate the whole show. Uh, that might be a little much. I Why? That's a little. Mark, we're trying to enjoy the show from the price tag. Enjoy now. the show and cuss but a lot. But I wouldn't mind going live on an interview with somebody. That we would be, be great. Yeah. That out. I'll just know, I'll just fill it in with Kenny Loggins music. I I did uh, procure one of those little microphones. Oh, good this job. Week, so yeah. that's coming. So hopefully I'll have All it before right. then. And, and I okay. and uh, send the other one up with with Narge, and maybe we'll split up and. Try to get there some uh, get some chat. So so two out of three hosts tonight said uh, promoter of the year is the promoter for GCW, Brett Lauderdale. Brett Lauderdale, and I, Mister Know Nothing, have to concur with those two guys because that was the first time I watched wrestling, probably in the last ten years at least, where I was like, holy fuck, invested. Like I was like. This is fucking crazy. This is entertaining. And that doesn't mean all the other shit isn't. It means this was above that. It, it took a level. Now, there was no story because I absolutely didn't know who was pissed at who or why they were, who fucked who. I didn't care. They just got in the ring and they fucking wasted each other and it was great. And that, to me, says a lot. All right, moving on. We got referee of the year, Mark. So it's not going to be anybody from AEW because nine times out of ten their refereeing is atrocious because they seem to always forget the rules and just throw everything out the window. My choice is actually a friend of the show from the WWE, Mr. Chad Patton. Because the best thing you can say about a referee is you don't notice the referee. That's that's true in sports across the board. If the referee is not being noticed, he's doing his job well. And there's not a lot of people that are better at that than Chad Patton. And he's been doing it for years. All right. I can't disagree with that. No. That's a good one. Narge, go. It, yeah, it's 
Chad Patton. Um, maybe the most seasoned referee out there right now. I don't think little is Charles Robinson still doing anything, Mark. Uh, no, it's not not, I mean, not full time. Chad is, yeah. Chad has the most time behind him. Chad is the most gracious, genuine individual I've met in sports entertainment. Agreed. I saw Chad. I talked to him a couple yeah. months back. Great guy. Chad will take the time. You would have no idea that Chad is on TV every week in front of millions of people. If you met him, you'd have no idea. He was. Uh, I sold him a car. <laughs> Wow. Does the car still yeah, run? I was at the house trying to sell carpet cleaning. So. He, uh, <laughs> you know, he, and that's the thing is Chad reaches out. I, from what I I heard, Chad showed up at my birthday party last year. Yeah, he was I don't there. Remember it? Don't remember much about the birthday party. Yeah, my uh, my band was playing that night, and uh, after after we were done, uh, my wife came up to me and said, "Hey, Chad Patton's here." I wouldn't have picked him out of the lineup because. You know, I've never seen him out in public not wearing a referee shirt. Narge would have helped you out, but he was already he was already home. I think super happy. I think I think he got yeah. put to bed. And by Chad's then. one of those guys. He's got a smile on his face all the time. He enjoys life. Chad is a good guy overall, but personal side away from things. You're right, Mark. You don't notice him in the ring. He does his job to a T, and that's why he's consistently in the main event of the big the big shows because he overall he's the man. And I think he's what other referees strive to be. Chad Patton for me, 2021. That's, that's, and, and we're going to make it a trifecta because I'm right with them. They've said it, everything I need to say. Wow. Man, we're, we're rolling. Keith, you may need to be a full time co host. So, what I've heard here tonight is that <laughs> the people doing a podcast out of Central Illinois about pro wrestling, WWE, AEW, GCW, and 77 other promotions all agree Chad Patton is their favorite referee to not see. And it's important to note, we're not just saying that because Chad's from Central Illinois. It's because he's oh, he, really he, freaking good at his job. what he does. does the job. Right. Nice, nice. All right. This one this one better engender some conflict. Oh, I'm sure it will. We're going to start with Keith. The play-by-play announcer of the year. You guys are going to think I'm crazy. I know you will. I'm going Michael Cole. I don't think that's crazy. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I, I, heard, I heard this faintly, but Narge, could you repeat what you just said at a really high volume? Are you kidding me, Keith? All right, Keith, respond. Here, here is why. Cole sometimes has to keep the glue together because the raw team is awful, and he's seasoned. He knows what to do. He, he's consistent. Um, sometimes I feel like the guys on the AEW are not. Um, I like Cole. I, I think I'm a fan of Cole just because whether he's he's a heel guy, heel announcer or or face, I think Cole just does a professional job and suits where he works. I'd agree with that. I mean, uh, it took me a lot of years to warm up to Michael Cole. Like me that, too. Like that first, I don't know, 10, 15 years, I thought he was awful. But over the last few years, when he actually took over the like running the announce team, it seems like he's matured and it's become more, more aesthetically pleasing to my ears. I think the painkillers and muscle relaxers have kicked in for Narge, <laughs> so I want to hear Narge's uh, refutation of this. Go Narge. Refutation. Nice. So for me, again, I'm old school. I'm going to go with Tony Schiavone. And the reason for that is, as 
Tony is the perfect mix of Excalibur and Jim Ross. He is the perfect mix of play-by-play and the perfect mix of color. Tony does it all. I mean, be honest. Tony, for a guy who was out of the business for as long as he was, he's the one guy when I tune into AEW, I listen to. I focus on what Tony Schiavone is saying. And I really think Tony, he's, he's having fun again. I mean, he may even be better now than he was during Nitro when they were kicking WWE's ass. I'd agree with Tony that. is just so fun to listen to, and you can hear it in his voice. The enjoyment, he's just so thrilled to be back. And I think he holds Jim Ross and Excalibur together, who are like oil and water. Ross and Excalibur are two totally different type of people when it comes to wrestling. And Tony's that middleman. He's kind of the glue. He holds that three-man team together. So I got to go Tony Schiavone. All right, Mark Redman. So you can either break the tie or make it a three-way tie. What you got, brother? So I'm, I agree Tony Schiavone is the best part of the AEW announced team. And if anybody knows me knows, I say Jim Ross is the greatest of all time, hands down. He's the guy that wears a cowboy hat now, right? Yeah, JR. Yeah, JR. But my choice for play-by-play announcer of the year is actually not Tony Schiavone, and it is not Michael Cole. Uh-oh. It's a it's a fellow by the name of Kevin Kelly from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Because, number one, it's really hard to understand what's going on in Japanese wrestling without that English voice to, to, to clarify. Japanese commentary doesn't excite you? It's very exciting, but I don't know what they're saying. You, I, want, you want a Mexican to go, go! But, I know. But Kevin sounds like he's having fun doing it. And... Okay. He he interacts with the wrestlers well. He doesn't do interviews or anything like that. He's always sitting at that table on the other side of the guardrail. But when the wrestlers are walking around, he'll jabber with them and kind of give them shit or whatever. And he knows his stuff. He's always been very knowledgeable of the product. And he doesn't have Don Callis with him anymore, which he was, that was the team for a few years. But he's working with this guy named Chris Charlton, who's a British guy who's kind of – he's like the Mark Redman of Japanese wrestling – like he knows more about Japanese wrestling than I know about wrestling in general, probably. So what what Mark you just said to translate is he knows a lot about wrestling, and he will dryly, in a British voice, read them back to you. And he will also translate the promos because he speaks Japanese. Oh, which is very helpful. Hey Keith, real quick, how much new New Japan? New Japan Pro Wrestling. None. None. So I don't watch hardly any you, New Japan. You can't though. disagree with you, you Mark really on this. What's that? I'm the same, Keith. So when Mark has a New Japan news story to break, I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, I usually ignore it. Yeah, but I know you guys do know Kevin Kelly because he was with the WWF for several he years. Was, he was. He was a chunky white guy with weird hair. Hermie, as the rock he called the him. Pillman, he did the Pillman. Uh, Pillman's got a gun. Yes. Thing we talked about. Yes. But, All right. <laughs> so you have chosen somebody from a wrestling promotion that Neither of our two other people, our, our co-host nor our guest co-host, have actually given a fuck about. That's pretty cool when you think about that's, it. That's what I do. You're offering up an option that most people wouldn't understand. You're welcome. All right. This is great. So now <laughs> we went from play-by-play announcer of the year to this next one, which. All right. Go ahead. Uh, we'll start with Mark this time. Color announcer of the year. If you thought I was going to go with Excalibur, then I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Because I'm going with none other than Wade Barrett in NXT. 
number one, he's, wow. he's got the, he's got that wrestling expertise because he was a worker for many years. He he got seasoned doing commentary in the NWA a couple years ago, and he plays just so well off of Vic Joseph on the on the commentary. He worked well with Beth when she was there, and it's just it's great. He gives that good old fashioned heel color role a lot of life. Isn't you know? he like Mister Information? No, not really. No, <laughs> he's he's just a big British guy. Wow. That, that Mister Information is me. Yeah, we understand that, but you don't. <laughs> work for any of these major promotions yet yet i was thinking that one guy's supposed to like talk a lot and the other guy's supposed to offer a lot of information well i mean it depends i mean you only give the information that they tell you to give in the in the rear uh, what is on the, the uh, screen but it's the delivery just wade has such a good delivery and he and he's awesome i've always okay. been a fan of it even when he was in the ring i was a fan keith what you got the greatest punter ever to grace the <laughs> microphones. Pat McAfee is the greatest color guy of the year with hands down. I've got his jersey. I love Pat McAfee. I love his podcast. I love what he's doing on SmackDown. I love what he does with WWE. I just think he brings excitement and enjoyment and um, and a different style than we've ever seen. I just, I just love McAfee. And I think he, he brings something that no other show has. Uh, to WWE and wrestling fans. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of his. Uh, I wish he wasn't quite as chummy with Aaron Rodgers as he is on his radio show. But he but he's so energetic. Ivermectin for the win. It's it's just, he's just a lot of fun to watch. So that's a that's a great choice. Nards. Yeah, Keith Keith stealed it. This uh, stole it. This stealed is it for Mark. Uh, <laughs> he stole it. Pat McCaffrey. He he stole it. Uh, Pat McCaffrey. That's what I call him, and Mark always corrects me. But he's fun. I he just you can hear in his voice he's having a good time. It would be like one of us doing color. He's having fun. I know Vince or somebody's feeding him lines, but I don't think he's taking it most of the time. Mr. McAfee, here's your tequila, sir. He's a made he's made man. That again, the NFL he's they've made him a made man. He's got his podcast. He can pretty much do whatever he wants out there. He's great in the ring too. Well, serious. So you gotta go, Pat McAfee. He's he's number one in my book. Well, Sirius backed up the Brinks truck to his garage and paid him an assload of money to do his radio show. So he's high on the hog right now. That's Can you great. imagine just going out there having a great time? And well, if I get fired, who cares? I'm still a millionaire. Yeah, that's, that's why he's, he's living. His, he's living his best life. That's right. That's, that's you why know, he's, you may that's not why he's know good this. At what he does, though. Nard, you may not know this, but that's why we're doing this podcast. We're hoping somebody backs a dump truck of cash up soon. That'd be nice. But uh, I hope, Keith, you're right though. That's why he's doing it because he doesn't need the money. He he has everything he wants, and now he's living out basically a childhood. Well, dream. and he can you be loose, I mean? right? He can be totally loose because fuck it, fire me. Who gives as, a fuck? As I understand, they give him a lot of leeway. He was on Busted Open around the time that he started, and he said they keep the reins off of him, and he can kind of do his thing as long as he sticks to like the bullet points. I think. Hey, and I've met him. My son just texted. He said, "Who's Pat McAfee?" What? Kyler and I, because of because of Chad Patton, sat second row at Indy Raw the night Seth Rollins turned on the Shield, and Pat sat next to us. Pat and another gentleman, I don't remember his name. You know, Pat was nobody then. This was four or five years ago. But Pat sat next to us and took a uh, a selfie with us. Maybe I'll share it on the page. You nice. probably should. 
Because some way, somehow, somebody has to know who that guy is. He's also a marvelous dancer on the uh, announce table. All right. So, I think we're up to the... We're starting to get a little into the nitty-gritty here. The weekly show of the year, and I think we'll start with Keith. Uh, To me, this was a very easy choice, and it's dynamite. Easy. To me, that was that's an easy choice. That's dynamite for me. Is that uh, I just AEW? Think they the best quality show. Yeah, AEW okay. Dynamite Wednesday nights. Uh, to me, that was an easy choice. I would ask Narge, but I know his answer, so we'll just move on to Redman. No, come on now. I got things to say. We'll, we'll come it, back it to you. We'll dynamite. come back to you. I promise. No, we'll come back to you. I promise. I think you're going to want to hear what I say before you, because you're going to have some color. You say wrong, for I'm going to log off this podcast. <laughs> And I'll join him. Don't worry. I'm I'll not join gonna, him. I'm, I, I'm not going to say raw. Don't worry about it. Uh, okay. My choice. We'll my choice is uh, SmackDown on Fridays. Yeah. Why? Well, I'm doing other things. Number Friday one, night. SmackDown's the best show WWE has right now. But it's not as good as AEW's worst show. No. Right, I'd Narch. Say it's, I'd say it's better. Okay. But, go ahead. Hang on. Let me finish. Go ahead. But SmackDown also has had the highest ratings of any wrestling show on cable this year. So they're getting the most viewers on Fox. So look, correct me if I'm wrong, but AEW is, has a very limited, like, uh, like they don't have the reach that WWE has, correct? They got Turner, man. They, they got two shows on Turner television. Yeah, but WWE has like five, three. Oh, okay. But, uh, and 40 years of recognition. Yeah. Okay. That's AEW can't help that. They're they're new. Correct. But Correct. the thing is they've also they got Roman Reigns doing his best work on on their show. Right on. They got Charlotte uh I mean she's kind of they're kind of build the, they got to get her they got to get her some better opponents. I mean Tony Storm's great, but they got to kind of rebuild their women's division. They got they got talent there. They got Sami Zayn finally getting uh, a little bit of a rub doing the thing with Brock not too long ago. I mean, that's another thing. Got Brock. I mean, he's probably Lesnar. Lesnar. He's the biggest star in wrestling right now. I would say. Which is mm. sad. Not really. No, for me, it's <laughs> sad. Hey, Mark, me. Mark, just so you know, podcast personality year Kyler says you are so wrong about your opinion on SmackDown. <laughs> Tell him to fight me. All right. <laughs> so, so Narge, Narge, I now want you to understand why I produce the show and you're the co-host is because I let Mark run his fucking mouth so you could close out this topic <laughs> with the subject of what is the best weekly show of the year. I wonder what he'll say. Hey, I'm it. Let me <laughs> it, let me it, put Redman on dynamite. mute. I, my wife is listening right now. It's dynamite, and she knows. On Wednesday night, I say, Rach. We got dinner done by seven. I have to watch my show. And my wife's always like, well, what show do I get to watch? I, I don't care about that. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, God damn it. Yeah. And my show is AEW Dynamite. And because you never know what's going to happen. You really don't. Usually Kyle O'Reilly showed up last Wednesday. No one expected it. You watch Monday Night Raw and you get, you know, the same you get the RK bros and whoever it's the same stuff five six weeks in a row but it's the same stuff kind of mixed up like you know the the meme let me cheat on your paper but I'll change it up a bit that's what raw is what it, you get it, raw is Vince said hey house, go man. out in the load-in dock and act like you're fighting with somebody and we'll film it and we'll put it on next week yeah 
but dynamite it, it's tony waking up on a wednesday going what random shit could i do tonight and that's what i love man that's what i it's exactly how i would book things and that's why mark and i would disagree a little we love wrestling redmond and i love wrestling i want to book shit on the fly i want to wake up and be like you know what i'm gonna send kyle o'reilly tonight and then we're gonna do this this and this it's fun and that's what I like. I kind of like the car crash aspect of AEW. That's uh, rubbernecking, rubbernecking TV for everybody. Yeah. And I'm not even it's not even that I'm not a fan of Dynamite. It's just you know they, I'm not a fan of fast food booking, which is what I've always accused Tony of. They got the talent. I mean, there's no mistake you in that. Shut but your mouth. Fast food booking. I'm that's, sorry, uh, but you can't book one. your you can't book your show like a pee wee soccer coach and give everybody a participation trophy. That's all I'm saying. And I hope what? I haven't made it so he won't come on the show. Man, I am Just so looking knows, forward to Narge my... throwing Redmond for that bump that we talked about earlier because he's going to bump into like next decade or last century. I'm not sure which. You know, when we first started this, Nar- Marco said, you know, we can't have you guys agreeing on everything. So there's got to be conflict. This is the best shit ever. <laughs> exactly. All right. Let's move on, though, because. We are actually over two hours already, and we have a little bit to go, and this is actually yep. a fun show. Keith? Yes, I'm awake. Faction of the... <laughs> He's Ouch. like, I'm awake. I'm like, wait a minute. Are you sober, though? Oh, yeah. Well, then get another drink. I'll go to you next. Uh... <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. No, Keith. Uh, faction of the year. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Um. The fashion of the year for me is is the elite. I think they uh, hands down for the year. Now I think they just they conquered everything they could in, in AEW. Factions in WWE really don't stand out to me. Uh, I think the elite stood out more than anything, and we're in the main event scene all year long. Mark Redman, rebut. So or that- agree. So actually, I I actually do agree with you, Keith, because WWE sees factions more as just a a, a launching point for feuds more than anything. They don't they don't build groups it's a story like arc. they used to. Uh, I do think the elite's the best faction of the year. I really really wanted to say four four zero from GCW, but but they but I think just with Omega and the Bucks being champs for most of the year. Uh, the stuff they did with Don Callis. I'm I'm washing my hands of the whole Ghostbusters fiasco. Yeah. Not the movie, just when they dressed up like the Ghostbusters. The movie was not a fiasco. I haven't seen the movie yet. But there was on Halloween. Why is he our friend? On Halloween, they dressed up like the Ghostbusters, and it was just dumb. <laughs> Which is what happens when you give authority to goofy wrestlers. It reminded me of creative TV. license. But but no yeah so for everybody that says oh arcade AEW fuck that I like <laughs> the elites are the best faction of the year nice Narge I oh, by I the was way. right there with Mark so forty four zero is up there and I I I, ta- I uh, considered them for me it's got to be the bloodline on SmackDown Ooh, see? Nice. I'm going Ooh, to I did not see it. that coming and, and it's because and then, you that's know, what she said <laughs> but the usos and paul Heyman are a big reason for roman reigns's success this year Agreed. and when i think yeah. about factions i i sat here and i'm like all right faction bloodline i still like the inner circle too i thought they'd had a great year but i think overall 
the Usos and Paul Heyman elevated Roman Reigns, and that's why they're the most important faction right now. They were 1A for me, without a doubt. I, it was a toss-up between the Elite and the Bloodline. I just thought the Elite kind of may, helped AEW rise higher, uh, quicker, if that makes sense. That's oh, yeah. awesome. I, I want to, real quick, we have some people listening and talking, and uh, I, I assume Kyler is on Rachel's account, and I see Dwayne. And it's Baker. I see you guys. Oh, it's Baker. <laughs> Bakes is responding. Bakes like, listen here, bitches. Uh, so, but uh, Kyler said about, that's been a while ago, Aubrey on AEW. Dwayne just said inner circle. Okay, so Kyler said Aubrey Edwards for referee of the year. <laughs> right. And, Dwayne uh, is not wrong. The inner circle, Jericho, Sammy Guevara. I mean, they kind of lead that group. Hager and uh, the uh, LAX fellows. Proud the powerful. Yeah, powers of pa- uh, powers Pro- of pain or whatever. The proud and the powerful. Uh, whatever. They're an afterthought. <laughs> Sammy and Jericho, though, they had another great year. So Kyler's not wrong, I don't think. Sammy and Jericho both, you know, they did what they did, but I think there are better groups out there. Hey, Dwayne, we're drinking. We're not up to heel of the year yet, so uh, just wait. Keep your pants on, Dwayne. <laughs> Matt Cardona. Keep your pants on. So, no, no, he has, a, he has a heel of the year that is, uh, yeah. We've got a few before we get to heel of the year, but so, I'm going to say this. Uh, Santana Ortiz horribly, horribly misused in AEW. Agreed. And Tony Khan should be ashamed of himself. And Hager was too. They need to whack Tony oh, yeah. in the ass with that mad ball that Ortiz carries around once or twice to get, knock some sense into him. All right. Keith, no, real quick. I mean, Hager totally misused. The guy who is undefeated in MMA, a legit tough guy, and he's, I mean, he's an afterthought. He, he's, honestly, when you think of the inner circle, Hager's the last guy you yeah. think of. He's the Sean Spears of the inner him. circle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nards, correct me if I'm wrong. Hager's only lost, what, one or two matches since he's been in AEW? Like straight I think up. so. As he lost any, I, mean, I don't even know if he's lost any. He just, I don't. And I think it it has to do with his list. I hate to say that. I think it's a promo thing. Yeah. I don't even know if he's that invested in pro wrestling at this point. He's got the I, MMA thing. It's he's kind of lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Well, and, and when you watch him too, and I think when you said invested, when you see him, it doesn't look like he's invested either. You don't see like the the fire in him at all no he's he's going through the motions so it's a it's a paycheck situation yeah he's he's catching a payday and then doing his MMA stuff all right all right uh just so our listeners have something to talk about in a minute here are the things we want to hear from you guys we want to know who you think the tag team of the year are the heel of the year the baby face of the year wrestler of the year and match of the year are i want you to comment while we're doing this while you're commenting, we're going to go back to wondering who the manager of the year was, and we'll hear from Keith first. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. Hands down. Who else are you going to pick? They don't have managers. Keith Gibson needs to be a manager of somebody. But uh, <laughs> Mo Money. Promo time. That's right. Uh, but but Paul Heyman is, I mean, he's my manager of the year. I, as, as Nard just said earlier about the factions and the bloodline, if Heyman's not there, Reigns isn't where he's at. Hands down. You think Heyman is responsible for Reigns' success? Yeah, a lot of it, yes. 
Mark. Dewey Doolittle from Jesus. No, I'm kidding. No. Uh, I probably got his name <laughs> wrong anyway. Uh, Paul's a good one. Paul's a special counsel. He's not a manager per se. So I'm I'm just I'm nitpicking a little bit, but I do love Paul. Uh, I'm going MVP. We'll allow him as a manager only because he's the closest thing to one for that particular instance. Well, I, I'm going MVP just for the work he's been doing oh. with Bobby Lashley. He's been a very reliable mouthpiece because Bobby is not the strongest promo, but MVP, everything, his look, he's always dressed in the suits with the cane uh-huh. and doing the promos and just talking shit. It's, he's just fun to watch for me. He's the best part of that Bobby Lashley presentation for me. Nice. Narge, what you got, brother? I agree. It's MVP. Bobby Lashley was kind of lost in the shuffle. MVP elevated him. Uh, MVP for me, I'd just to keep us moving along here. All right. And I'll say this. I think that union will be ending soon. I, I see Lashley yes. on the verge of a face turn very, very yep. quick. All right. We have a few before left Rumble. to go. I'll say that before the a... Rumble, that'll happen. You think so? You think so? Yeah. You think they wrestle at yeah. WrestleMania? Uh, maybe. I don't think so, but I think I think the partnership between MVP and Lashley ends before Rumble. Yeah. I loved what they did in the Impact back when they were doing the Beatdown Clan thing with uh, Joe and Homicide and Loki. But, uh, but that's neither here nor there. All right. Keith, what was Mark? the best moment of the year we'll keep this short simple and sweet cm punk returns to wrestling mark matt cardona defeating nick gage for the gcw world heavyweight championship narge cm punk i gotta go with those guys cm punk oh that was a big moment here's why i picked cardona because the crowd wanted to kill him they wanted yeah. to they wanted to tear him apart and it was glorious. It was old school heel one oh one. I I don't disagree. To me, biggest moment is measured upon the number of people he gave a fuck. And I think what those guys said, more people but gave a fuck. So a surprising number of people gave a fuck about Cardona though. Yeah, they did. But not millions, just hundreds. Well thousands. Thousands. Okay. Thousands. Hundreds of thousands. Dozens not of millions. Thousands. <laughs> I don't know. Well, but don't no, that's but no, that's my pick. Pay-per-view of the year. And here, hang on a minute. Here's my problem. WWE has pay-per-views, but let's be real. Subscribe to Peacock Network. You get them all. So, eh, pay-per-view <laughs> doesn't mean as much as it used to. But it's not a matter of just shows you pay for. It's just the shows like the... But, I mean, like, we watch GCW. The... We had to pay to view yeah, it. those count. Right, right. No, I'm saying that, yeah. But you WWE, pay... their pay-per-views, as long as you continuously subscribe to a network for $10 a month, you get them all free. But for the geniuses that don't subscribe to Peacock, they would still pay for the pay-per-views. So that Yeah, that's also- right. They will pay $50 for one show instead of $10 a month for five months. I didn't say they're all They're morons in this world. <laughs> Trust me. They're wrestling. No, never mind. Uh, so, but pay-per-view of the year, Mark. All out. All out. Just, uh, so, I mean, yeah. Kingston was, uh, not Kingston. The, I think it was Kingston and Miro was probably my favorite match on that show. But you had Cole debut. You had Danielson. Ruby Soho had her first match. Punk's first match in seven years. The cage match. It just across the board, it was just a great show. So it was an AEW match. AEW show. AEW event. Yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Same weekend we went to Chicago for the War Games show, by the way. Right. And we'll move on to Keith for this one because I know Narge will wrap this fucker up hard. Keith? Oh, that's that's what she said. Like a penis. Uh, what? Uh, it's all out for me, too. I mean, that show top to bottom, beginning to end, was just fantastic. It had me uh, on the roller coaster of emotions throughout the entire show. So uh, great job by them. And I think that's pay-per-view of the year, and it's not even close. Nice. Narge. Narge, go. Yeah. So, I'm going to agree with them, but before I do that, WrestleMania exceeded my expectations. Yeah. It did. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Every year I build it up in my head. I'm like, it's WrestleMania, and I'm let down. This year was fantastic. Both nights, I wish they'd go to one night, whatever. It was awesome. But all out, great matches. You know, seeing Punk and Darby was cool. Moxley and Kojima was awesome. But at the end of the night, you get Adam Cole coming out, and you're like, oh, this is it. And then Brian Danielson comes out. I mean, it was just like uh, climax after climax after climax. I mean, it was yeah. That's more I've ever <laughs> had in my life. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, you know, multiple times in Easy. under two minutes. And it was like, wow, I didn't know this was a possibility. Because WWE wouldn't give you this. And AEW said, you know what? You want it? I'm going to give it all to you. And I'm going to do it in about 60 seconds at the end of the show. So, so WWE the show is kiss. So you asked the, yeah. for the best. You got the best. The, the big the big story here is Narge likes multiple climaxes. Yes. And, <laughs> and we won't even talk about the cage match because we'll talk about it later. But the Bucks, <laughs> who I can't stand against the Lucha Brothers, was just mind-blowing so it's all out it's aw all out 2021 i'll be honest i almost went with double or nothing because that was the first pay-per-view with uh with the full crowd at uh, daily's place and that was also a good show but uh but yeah all out just exceeded all of it the best part so far tonight folks is that all of them have agreed that aew has done a significantly better job of putting things out there that people give a fuck about Correct. Uh, no, no, Mark. Yeah. You've literally <laughs> agreed with them on the big ones. No, I'm not saying they're not doing a bad job. But... No, you're saying they're doing a better job because you chose those promotions and those matches <laughs> and those in, events. In specific spots across oh, yeah. the board is a different discussion I agree. altogether. Best match of the year, AEW. Best promotion of the year, AEW. Best pay for you of the year, AEW. I agree with you. You're choosing all of the shit that's AEW. You just didn't realize that you really like AEW as much as you do. I never said I didn't like AEW. Everybody makes assumptions. Nobody, no, like nobody said you didn't like them, but you actually liked them more than you normally profess to. I, I just like professional wrestling. Yes. That's all that matters to me. I could There's give that. two shits what show's on. If it's wrestling, I'm watching it. Feud of the year. It's either everything else or it's this right here. <laughs> We're arguing now. Is this the feud of the year or do you have a better one? I got a better one. All right. <laughs> so this is from uh, NXT. Uh, but it, I'm hoping it floats over into AEW, but because Tony's a uh, fast food booker that I mentioned before, it's not going to happen for a while. And that's uh, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. Just they had could three... they just change his last name to Ren and just call him Kylo Ren, and it'd be a whole lot cooler that's for a whole, a lot of, Star that's Trek a whole lot of copyright Star problems. Wars fans. Star Trek, listen, if <laughs> any of you nerds Shh. out there had a problem, uh, but no, just they had three fantastic matches in NXT and that's just on top of the stuff they did in Ring of Honor before they went to WWE they traded the world title there 
So they're always going to have great matches with each other. They told a great story going into that first takeover match. And, uh, yeah, that's why I was kind of bummed when O'Reilly showed up and just they just put it together again. They should have been separate and kept that going, if you ask me. Narge, what you got, brother? Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Nice. Uh, it was a year-long build that paid off. Adam Page taking the belt off Omega um, with – the dark order kind of intertwined and the elite I've got to go there. I think Adam page is maybe the best baby face in all of AEW. I, I he's got to work on his personality just a little bit more, but I, that's, that's the feud of the year for me is page and Omega. Keith. Well, I'm completely opposite of all these guys. Um, I'm going NXT too. Um, though I'm going LA Knight versus Cameron Grimes. Ooh, and just because yeah, I, I just like the fact that the Million Dollar Man got involved. I think it was a good um, building block for Cameron Grimes. I think it kind of kind of got him, built him up a little bit better. I think it was a good introduction to L.A. Knight or whatever name you want to call him. Um, that was my favorite favorite feud of the year, so that's what I went with. I'm, I'm a big L.A. Knight fan going all the way back to when he was in Impact, and he's just He's got the whole pack. He he won't be on NXT for long. He's going to be main roster bound in 2022. But my, I agree with that. But my my worry is, does the main roster screw it up like they've screwed everybody else up? I, w- I like to think that his personality will stand out enough that they'll let him go. They'll let him be him. But I've been wrong but about so. that before. All right. The next. Uh, uh, did, did Narch do his? Yep. Yeah. Wait, what'd you say? Oh, Paige and Omega. Paige and Omega. I'm trying to stay focused on everything. Keith, I just want to point this out. The two of you plus me, we're drinking, and Narge has got a bonus of painkillers and (laughs) muscle relaxers, and the only guy that can't remember where the fuck we are is the guy drinking fucking soda. I think he needs to drink more (laughs) alcohol and less soda. If I didn't have to get up at 5 in the morning, I might take you up on that. (sighs) Anyways. I can have 5 in the morning. I've got three children. Dude. You're also I've home. got two. <laughs> exactly. You're like on coke the whole time. If I was so, at home, maybe. Tag team of the year, and I want to preface this with a comment that came from Rachel slash Kyler, which was the tag team of the year is MDK. Uh, Kyler, Narge. you misspelled MSK. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I was gonna say. Kyler's putting all sorts of fellas together there. Narge, um, help us out with what did Kyler mean, and do you agree? I agree with him. It's Mance Warner and Matthew Justice. They kind of run roughshod over GCW. They're a part of the MDK group. They're part of the second-year crew. Uh, those guys were legitimate badasses who rolled over everybody. Um, until the Briscoes came along and took the belts from them. Man, and I think we would have saw the rematch had Mance not got hurt. But I'm, I, I'll go with Kyler on that. They were my favorite team to watch in 2021, and that's Mance Warner and Matthew Justice. So the Nargetastic Voyage wins a point. Keith, what you got? Uh, I'm going with the Lucha Brothers. I think they finally came together, and I love watching them and everything they did. They're, they're charismatic. I, they were a quick second to the Bucks. Um, I just, I love what AEW is doing with tag teams. I hope it continues to build. I love tag team wrestling. I think there's so much strategy and mental, um, 
storytelling you can do and, and and tag team wrestling and so to me it's fun but i love the lucha brothers uh for tag team of the year mark first a question okay gcw mm-hmm. who is their top tag team do they have one right now it's the briscoe brothers because they're the champs but and besides, how do we like them i love the briscoes i think they're the best tag team in the world but they are not my tag team of the year why is that well, they were Ring of Honor, so that makes them kind of a big fish in a very small pond at this point. Like a shoe-in thing. Right. Like okay. if, if they were somewhere else and doing what they do, they would be a lot better off. But like Ring of Honor was shut down for a lot of the year before okay. they came back. So that's why they didn't make it on my list. So who's your tag team of the year? My tag team of the year is the Dangerous Techers in New Japan Pro Wrestling. We're Ooh. back to Japan, folks. It's uh, Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr., from the, Suzuki, from the Suzuki Goon faction. And uh, it's just, they've had a stranglehold on the IWGP tag team titles for most of the year, except for one hiccup where they lost to Naito and Sonata. But they're, number one, I'm a big Zack Sabre guy. He's, for my money, the best technical wrestler in the world. And just smooth, he'll tie up in, in the knots and smile while he's doing it. Tai Chi's a great heel. He was hated by everybody. Tai very, Chi? Tai Chi. Tai Chi? One word, Tai Chi. Tai Chi? It's the cousin of Taiwan. Tai Chi, (laughs) which is an actual martial art. Well, it's not named after the martial art. I don't know where the name came from. But But I'm saying Tai Chi is a martial art. I think that's two words, though. Yes. Tai Chi is one one word, the name. I bet it's named after the martial art, Tai Chi. If you can speak Japanese, you ask him. I don't know. But but he's such a good heel. He's got Miho Abe, who's... Very, very, very cute. She's she's his lady on the floor, his muse. He lip syncs his interest music to the ring, which is just delightful. And most of the guys in Japan have phenomenal entrance music, and especially in Suzuki Goon. But just they've been a dominant tag team in Japan, and if travel was allowed, they'd probably be dominant in the UK and AEW. And I'm. Eager to see what happens next because they've got a title match coming up at uh, Wrestle Kingdom next week against uh, Goto and Yoshihashi, which I'm curious to see what's going to happen there. But for this year, they were my best tag team. So I think what is imperative here is that you make sure to keep posting on our page how to watch New Japan Pro Wrestling because based on what Keith said earlier, and based on Narge being like not as sold on it, there's this wrestling thing that might be awesome, but nobody sees it. Well, it's funny you say that. If you have 999 yen to spend every month, you can yen. Go, well, it's basically ten bucks. Oh, okay. But go to uh, NewJapanWorld.com, and that's their streaming platform. Nice. And you can see all their shows. You can't. I, you can't get them live here. I mean, you can get them a couple hours because the time zones are insane. Like, you can get them a day later or a day earlier. Like, for example, Wrestle Kingdom is their biggest show, and that's going to be on the 4th, and it happens basically at 4 o'clock a.m. our time. Right. So you have to wait till you get up to watch That's it. about the time Narge wakes up, right, Narge? Yeah, it's about the time you go to bed. Yeah. I go to bed. The boys wake you up. It's a perfect world. But, yeah, but if you go to <laughs> if you go there and get, uh, get on their shows with the English commentary, then... Uh, it's, English it's or a, British? English. Okay, but it's it's just a, it's just a good show. It's for my money. It's I still think it's the best wrestling promotion in the world. All right, did I get everybody's tag team? Hey, 
quick before we move on, Chad Patton has thanked us for being voted referee of the year on Facebook. So well deserved. Shout out wow. to Chad for time. Definite shout out. All right. Moving on from tag team of the year. I think I got everybody right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, heel of the year. And I want to hear Keith Gibson first. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, I think a lot of people will go AEW route and say Maxwell uh, would be that. But I'm going with Roman Reigns as heel of the year. I think he's extended his career by several years by going heel this year. I think he's carried the load, um, if you will, for WWE. He said load. Um, (laughs) His back has got to hurt because he's carried SmackDown. He's carried the entire company, just what he's done. And I will go with Roman Reigns because I actually, for once in my life, have enjoyed his work. Go ahead, Mark. Roman is a great choice, Keith, but I must disagree. And uh, I'm going to say there is nobody in the wrestling universe that has engendered the scorn, loathing, and hatred of the wrestling public like Mr. Matt Cardona has in uh, GCW and also in the NWA by extension. But the, Matt Cardona, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. He, I, he, can't take, he can't take a step in a GCW venue without people wanting to kill him. In the stuff he did with Effie, you know, he traded his internet championship back and forth. He beat Gage in a packed house for the world title. Uh, the, I mean, Nars, you were with me in uh, Hoffman Estates when he cut that promo in the cage with the open challenge. Oh, he came out after one of the best matches we've ever saw in live, and Frank the, the crowd clown. shit all over him. I mean, was the crowd yeah. right or wrong? Well, the crowd is never wrong. Were- That's the point. Wow. So, uh, Nard, I have go. to. So, you know, I would love to say MJF. I think MJF cuts the best heelish promo. But for overall impact, Mark is correct. It's got to be Matt Cardona. The guy was released from WWE. He shows up. And it's, I mean, the, he declares himself the king of the death match. He's not a death <laughs> match wrestler. It's just the, the little things he does. Then eventually brings his fiance, Chelsea Green, over. And she's probably the most overheel female on the independent scene. It's just, and he is enjoying everything that he's doing. It's got to be Matt Cardona. And I want to say something real quick about MJF. And yeah, I'm. I agree with uh, Keith. It, he's a great natural heel, but he's getting very perilously close to getting cheers more than he's getting boos on television. More cheers than jeers. Yeah, because people were enjoying the act so much, they're starting to give him cheers here and there. And that's a... Well, I just that's so a he's a popular a asshole is what you're saying. Yes. I get like that. Me. Well, I, I think it's that, but he is, is... I'm not a big fan of his wrestling ability, uh, just honestly. I think he could do a lot more with it. He'd tell more stories and, and um, in his wrestling. Um, I agree with Mark that, yeah, he's starting to get over with... People just want to hear him run his mouth. They don't want to actually... They don't care what he, if he wrestles or not. When and he, that's that's somewhere he doesn't want to get to. When his entering career is over, I could see him being Bobby Heenan, you know, just being a mouthpiece for somebody. Yes. I've All said right. that for the last couple of months is that MJF and Punk are going to be so good in the ring together because their styles are similar. Punk's a little older and a little slower. MJF doesn't do that 
as much exciting stuff in the ring. The most exciting thing he's done in months was take a header to the floor last week unintentionally. I said Other this than on... that, he works at a very methodical pace. He doesn't wrestle an exciting match, okay? So he has to be so strong on the microphone for people to give a shit about him. And so... I think that's where he's at. Where Cardona can wrestle a death match, he can, re- he can wrestle all sorts of styles, and he's proven that. Plus... MJF, on the, on the mic, I'd give, you know, if I had to bet on a guy cut a promo, I'd give it to him all day. But So MJF is better on the mic than he is in the ring? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. A lot of shit talking, not a lot of walking. But he can he can walk the walk. He just chooses not to. Yeah, he might stagger along the way, apparently, with a large set. Uh, also, credit to Cardona. He wrestled a death match with Nick Gage dressed head to toe in white. So... That's just basically if you're a heel in a death match, like you're going to be dressed head to toe, so that's going to be orange by the time he's done. All right, Keith, yep. you got next. Babyface of the year. This is a hard one for me. Um, that's what she I said. Looked, that's what she said, yes. Um, I didn't say it very often. But anyway, um, besides the point, um, I looked at everywhere. I, I looked doctor. at Biggie. I looked at... Um, uh, guys in the AEW, I, I looked at Hangman. I looked at if Hangman would have been around the entire year, I probably would have given it to him. I'm going to go Darby Allen. Interesting. Why? Why? Because he was there all year long. I think he built himself up, um, even with Sting by his side, which I think helped. But he's kind of became this go-to guy when they need somebody to put on a good show um and hangman great i love the story i love the him and omega for the last year but when hangman disappeared for a couple months i think it hurt i just like i like darby allen's my baby face of the year all right uh mark it's a personal choice all right <laughs> I, you I know what everybody has personal you know choices i'm going to defer to narge let narge go first oh narge baby face of the year is for me, again, and it's not to be cool, it's not to quote my favorite company or anything, uh, but it's Nick Gage. Nick Gage is the baby face of the year. And Mark, I think, could back me up on this, being there live in Chicago, watching how the crowd interacts him. Throw I've your never child. been in a crowd. It was a swell. I mean, we knew. We, we were there for war games. They're bringing out the biggest names in the company, and the crowd's building, and it's building. and people. I mean, it's like a concert waiting for your favorite band to come out. And then all of a sudden, for whom the bell tolls, and the place went ballistic. I mean, they mugged uh, Nick Gage coming out. I mean, everybody dove on top of him. He literally, his re-entrance is him fighting his fans to get into the match. I mean, what's more babyface than that? Even that that was impressive to watch. Said, even McFoley had said, like, I've never experienced anything like that. And Foley's done it all. But it has to be Nick Gage, baby face of the year for me. That's that's that. Uh, that's that's, yeah, a, that's well, a solid pick. Cannot and, uh, dispute that. I will not argue with either one of you fellas, right. but uh, I'm going to argue with you fellas. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> baby face of the year for you is. I'm going with Big E. Just from what he did at the end of Dwayne, last year. You have just won a complete prize package trip to Hawaii on Mark Redman's credit card. Uh, Not really. I have to get but, a credit card first. But 
Dwayne said this. Dwayne said the same thing. Y'all on the same wavelength. <laughs> but the thing is with Biggie, he started the year with the Intercontinental title. I mean, he never lost the fans the whole year. He was putting on great matches, doing the great promos, getting everybody fired up. And he was doing most of it without the New Day, which was huge. Uh, usually it would be all three of them in the ring together, sharing time, and Xavier probably doing most of the talking. But Biggie got himself over in a big way with that title, and then he won Money in the Bank, won the WWE title from Lashley, had a hell of a cage match with him. It just Biggie has not missed this year, I think. I think all three are great choices. Anybody want to fight to the death over any of them? Probably not. So, I'm ready to go to bed. <laughs> oh, my God. You're getting old. <laughs> I am old. Hey, should I turn on the speakers? <laughs> what? So we have we have two more things in our annual wrap-up to do, Keith. Do you well, want me to I'm let good. you go first I'm, really I'm fast? Like and right, end so. of the year has been the longest show of the year. <laughs> well, that's the point. Hey, isn't you it? guys are both at home. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. Do you know how many trips I've had to take to the bar since we got tomorrow. here? Who has to work tomorrow? Me. Me. I don't. <laughs> Keith? I do. At what time? Uh, 7.15. Keith will like, have three customers all day. It's like yeah. 20 hours away yeah. from now. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> all right. All right. Keith, we'll let you go first right now. That way okay. these guys can smack you the fuck down. Wrestler of the year. I, uh, yeah, go ahead. Every year I want to give this trophy and this, this, this category to To Steve Austin. You can't afford a trophy. (laughs) (laughs) To one guy who I think deserves it as most underrated, one of the most underrated wrestlers in the past 15 years. So since I have an opportunity to choose it this year, I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to The Miz. Ooh. The Miz. Interesting. Please right. expand on Why? that. Why? Would you like me to expand? Okay. Yes. I think The Miz is underrated. I think The Miz talks to talk. He puts on great matches. He helps get every, everything over. He makes Raw watchable. He, I think he's just in constant storylines with different guys who he can do things with. He's either funny. He can be serious. It's just, uh, he's always entertaining and he doesn't get enough credit for sometimes carrying a raw show that quite frankly sucks. So that's, that's my pick. It's the miss. That's a hell of a choice. It's a great choice. And a lot of logic behind it. That's hell of a logic. Uh, let's see here. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. I've, I've got breaking Mark. news. Uh-oh. Oh, wait. I have breaking news here. Okay. So we were talking about Game Changer Wrestling and their huge announcement for the World Championship. This yes. Saturday um, at the New Year's Day show called mm-hmm. Die for This, they mm-hmm. are going to do a do-or-die rumble. Ooh. The winner will be crowned the number one contender to the GCW World Championship as they head towards the Hammerstein Ballroom, uh, which is – Interesting, because again, their champion is John Moxley, who hasn't been seen on AEW because he's in alcohol rehab. Right. So does that mean John Moxley returns at Hammerstein before he returns to AEW? I don't know. Um, the Rumble is going to see the likes of G. Raver, Jordan Oliver, Atticus Kogar, Effie, 
AJ Gray, PCO, Matthew Justice, Effie, Boosie, Tony Deppin, Colby Carino, among others. So, huge match. The winner of this match is the number one contender, John Moxley's GCW title. Hey, that I, is the huge You had me at Effie. So, hey, quick, quick question. You said Colby Carino. Is that Steve's son? Yeah. That is okay. Steve's son who is uh, kind of, you know, in and out of rehab and things like that. He kind of fell into drugs. Colby, uh, fantastic worker. Does good stuff on, kind of on the clean and narrow. One of the first death matches Kyler and I ever saw uh, was Colby Carino against Atticus Kogar. So, uh, it would be interesting. I don't know if I could pick a winner in this match to challenge uh Moxley. If I had to pick one, I'd go Tony Deppin, though. Mark, what about you? I got to go Kogar. I just think those Kogar two Kogar and together... Mox is a, blo- a bloody match. I, I picked Deppin for a uh, different style. I love Deppin. But uh, it's, that's an interesting, uh, interesting announcement. I mean, like I said, does Moxley return for GCW before he returns for AEW? Do you think Tony allows that? It's a tune-up match. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean... I guess time. I will tell. pick the winner. Somebody who's not even listed there. Who's that? Yeah, yeah. Some surprise. It'll be a surprise. A surprise. I think I it'll like be a it. debut. Yep. Interesting. Could, I could be Cardona. Ooh, could be Cardona. I like it because he quit. He he quit the company after the last match. Yep. So it could be a ruse. Sorry, sorry to interject, folks. No, no, that's <laughs> all right because uh, that's breaking news. It's important. So we heard Keith's wrestler of the year, but mm-hmm. we now need to hear yours, Mark. All right. Well, I'm going to go with a guy who has consistently been putting on, I won't say five-star matches, but consistently putting on great matches. Headline WrestleMania has had three classics in the uh, AEW since he got there. I'm going with Brian Danielson. Also known as Daniel Bryan from the WWE. Previously known as Daniel Bryan. He is now and forever the American Dragon Brian Danielson. For my money. Uh, For my money. Contract ends, he goes back to the other one. I get it, though. For my money, the best wrestler in the world, as far as him. Give me Danielson against Zack Sabre Jr. I'm a happy guy. Okay. Narge, what say you? I go with the hangman, Adam Page. I think the long-term story building... Adam's in-ring work, it doesn't matter who he works with. It's a fantastic match. I think it's one you remember from the show. So I'll keep it short because we're running at the three-hour mark, but Hangman Adam Page is my wrestler of the year. All right. uh, That's a good one. So hang on a minute. Let me see. What kind of fucking sounds can we make before we announce the match? So before we announce the winner of the poll, I want to get these guys' opinion. (laughs) Poll. So he said, "Poll." <laughs> so Keith, out of the, I, I'm assuming you saw the poll and who was on there. What is your pick for match of the year? Did you hear that? That's called radio silence. <laughs> That's dead air. He, he, he fell asleep. Hang I on. lost. No, I lost you there for a second. I don't know what happened. Oh no. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, we're gonna about to announce the match of the year. I want to get your take. What do you think was the best match of the year? Uh, you want you want my take? Um, yeah. You want my you who I picked for match of the year? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, and and we had a poll for what ten ten matches? Yeah. Ten matches. Okay. Yeah. But then there was another match after the poll that That's qualifies right. for this conversation, that, but didn't qualify. But for the wasn't poll. On, but wasn't on the poll. Right. right. 
Uh, my match of the year was uh, Bucks and Lucha Brothers in the cage at All Out. Solid. Yeah, I think it was just, I think, great storytelling, great with the thumbtacks and, and the moves and, the, and the, everything they did. I just thought it was a great match, and I enjoyed it the most out of anything I watched over here. Okay. Narge, what about you? For me, I've got to go with Walter against Dragunov. Walter was, what, the longest reigning champion in WWE history? Right up there. Yeah. Um, and a match that wasn't the main event, but stole the entire show. Talk about strong style. Talk, talk about brutal. And it was the perfect ending. I thought it was fantastic. I hope we see more of Walter in 2022. I know he's kind of slowed down since that match. But for me, that was the match of the year. That was the one that I wasn't expecting a ton out of. And just really, my expectations were blown away. So I'm actually going to agree with Narge. My my pick is Walter and Dragunov. And I didn't think they could top their first match from, I think it was two years ago. But, yeah, the match they had this year, they just chopped the crap out of each other. Dragunov looked like he had hamburger for a chest after the match was over. Uh, great finish. Just everything about the match was great. I don't know how they were able to follow it. But uh, that was my take. So... The fans did vote. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh. Out of 570 billion possible votes, <laughs> or whatever the population of the earth is, Out of we got fourth, first number 9, that 12, thing. 15? What? How many people voted? Uh, that's that's classified. Oh, <laughs> we got less than 500 billion <laughs> votes. So We didn't get millions of votes, but we got a good number, and thanks for everybody we, we're for We're 100 errors now. So did we have a drum roll handy by any chance? So, so by virtue know. of the listener vote for match of the year, uh, the winner actually is Valter and Ilya Dragunov from uh, NXT Takeover Thirty Six. So they will be getting their plaque in the mail at some point. And congratulations to both those guys because uh, we know they listen. So, so yeah, that uh, that wraps up the actual year in review part. But I want to put something else out there to you guys, and you guys probably hate me for keeping talking. I want you to give me your just one big prediction for 2022. What's going to happen? Uh, Keith, we'll start with you. Oh, wow. Um, this is easy. I don't know. I haven't really Stone thought Cold that far Steve ahead Austin yet. He has herpes. Yeah, well, that, that could possibly happen. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but that's a lot easier that. to estimate than anything going on in wrestling, right? All right, I will go with AEW takes over ratings weekly uh, for several weeks in a row. I think AEW is going to build themselves by the end of the year. By the end of 2022, they are the number one company in America. That's a bold. Uh, that's a that's bold, like uh, that's like bold as fuck. Bold. That's bold. I don't know yeah. if I agree with it, but it's a bold prediction, and I will respect it. But hang on, Narge. Keep Lucha's house with a wheelbarrow every morning, carrying uh, the boys. Um, for me, it's <laughs> WrestleMania, Dallas, Texas. I just pictured that. That's really funny. <laughs> uh, South Park. Uh, but no, WrestleMania in Texas this year, you're going to get Roman Reigns against the real head of the table, The Rock, Ooh. the special guest referee, none other than the Texas Rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Ooh. That's my That's my prediction. Austin, Rock, Roman. WrestleMania. Should we announce now that we're going to have a live viewing Sunday? 
because we're not going to do this bullshit of watching it two days in a row. We're literally going to leave Saturday in our back pocket and have a live viewing on Sunday or a live whatever the fuck you call. We're going to watch both halves of WrestleMania in one fucking day right here on the theater. I'm looking forward to that. Interesting. Because there's drinking to be done on Saturday. And somebody's birthday that weekend. I don't know. Whose birthday is it that weekend? Oh, it might be that Narge guy. Yeah, right. So, so I got uh, so my prediction. It's it's going to be a I hope a good year for uh, for wrestling with you know, COVID. Hopefully, in everybody's review mirror. If I had to make one prediction, and I'm not going to go as as big as what you guys went with with WrestleMania and all that. I think I'm going I'm to keep it simple. I think Hook is the TNT champion by at least September. All right. I just, yeah, I don't know who he's going to beat. I'm I'm thinking probably Kavara. I think Kavara gets the belt back from Cody. But then, uh, but yeah, if the, if Hook keeps on this trajectory he's on, and I know it's only been two matches, I I see big things out of him next year. I can see that too. He My just prediction needs, he just is needs a haircut and new boots. My prediction is AEW will continue to succeed. WWE will continue to disappoint. Mark will continue to go, but they'll get there. And Nardo will continue to go, eh, fuck them. That's my prediction. <laughs> Other than I think that uh, this podcast will continue. We're having a blast. We're hoping people are listening. If you're not listening, you're fucking stupid. Doubt them. Uh, okay, fine. So You're not stupid. You just might not be listening. That's the tequila talking. Oh, so, no, 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 no. If you're not listening, you didn't hear it. <laughs> All right, so we got one more order of business before we say goodbye this week. And that You're is, welcome. And that is... Uh, thank you, Narge. Yeah, thank you, Narge. And it is uh, Top 10 Tuesday, which is uh, always one of my favorite parts of the show. And uh, I wanted to do this with uh, with Keith here, because our subject today is uh, Greatest Intercontinental Championship Matches, which uh, will encompass all eras, I think. And uh, I think you guys will have a lot of opinions. But I'll try to keep it short, because I know we're coming up on 9 o'clock. But... Uh, We'll just uh, start off here with uh, our number 10. I got Edge versus Orton from Vengeance 2004. uh, Great ending to the match. Uh, It was right at the tail end of Edge's face run before he turned heel. But just those two, anytime. I'm always down to see those two go. I don't remember that match. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it was, it was a while ago. It was 2004. So I mean, you should have quit drinking before that day. <laughs> I know. Yeah. All right. Number nine is a fairly new one. I got Dolph Ziggler and The Miz from No Mercy 2016. It's the one where Dolph put his career on the line, and uh, the Spirit Squad interfered, and it was just probably the best match WWE's put on, probably in the past. I don't know, five years, six years. And uh, let's see, number eight, because I'm going to try to run through these. Number eight, uh, Triple H and The Rock in the ladder match, SummerSlam 98, which uh, I'm usually usually not a big fan of ladder matches, but that one was good because there was psychology to it with uh, Triple H selling the knee and uh, Mark Henry and China on the floor. That's a good point, Mark. (laughs) 
Numbers. <laughs> Number seven. Number seven, uh, Superfly, Jimmy Snuka against Don Morocco in the cage from 1983. It's the one with the famous uh, the leap off the top of the cage, which is probably the most iconic o- steel cage moment ever. Bubba in attendance. Yeah, and Dreamer. Yeah. Ah. Any wrestler from New York was probably there. But no, that was a great match. Great ending. Uh, Morocco going through the door on the headbutt. But uh, number six, another cage match, which I'm guessing you guys haven't seen. Uh, from 1985, Greg the Hammer Valentine and Tito Santana in Baltimore. I've actually seen that one. Yeah. It's great match. Great match. So good. Great finish. I love the end with Tito hanging on the cage, kicking the door shut on Valentine. Talk oh. about two guys that put me to sleep. Oh, listen to you. <sighs> shame, man. If I had my soundboard, I'd be giving you the walk, uh, Game of Thrones shame lady tone. <laughs> uh, number five, uh, another ladder match, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon from WrestleMania 10. The match where Shawn, Michaels, had a ma- Shawn Michaels versus the ladder. One of my favorites, I think that really, uh, I mean, that was the first ladder match, wasn't it? Uh, uh, no, first one on a major show. There was a match with uh, Michaels and Bret Hart from like 92 on a house show. Yeah, that's the one that put the ladder match kind of in mainstream. Right, yeah. yeah. But great. And match. they did it again after that, but it just didn't have the same. Yeah, because they, here's, here's why. They had an edict before that SummerSlam match where they couldn't use the ladder as a weapon. So that made that's it, right. that made it yeah. suffer a little bit. All right, number four. We're, we're making. Is it a weapon if you pull the ladder out from the guy while he's on it? No. That's See, just, that's just good tactics. That's a solution. But they did that. But uh, so uh, number four might be one of my favorites. Uh, Shawn Michaels against Jeff Jarrett from In Your House in '95. It's the famous one where uh, Jarrett and the roadie walked out afterwards and quit the company. But. Uh, just uh, that's just such a good matchup. Jarrett and Michaels are so even. You know, they're same size, similar styles. It was just, it was just a great match. I don't remember that one for some reason. It's on, uh, obviously it's on Peacock. But there's a special from a couple years ago, forty years of Intercontinental Championship matches, and that's on there. Huh. So if you get a chance, I definitely suggest checking it out. Uh, number three, uh, Bret Hart versus Mister Perfect, SummerSlam '91. At the garden. And, Fantastic uh, match. One more match. Uh, in the perfect, garden of even? Of the garden of Madison Square. But, uh, no, great back and forth. Uh, Narge, what do you think of that match? That's that a great match. That's the one where Perfect rips the singlet up top, right? And it yeah. with the uh, Yeah. No, awesome match. I mean, two of the best at what they were doing back in the day right there. That That's one of my favorites. Keith, what do you remember about that match? I remember Perfect being hurt during that match. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, legit hurt. Like, his back was, yeah. was messed up when he went ahead with that match. Yeah. That was, um, uh, and the singlet breaking, it was blue and yellow. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I love Perfect. I think I thought Perfect was great, and that match was great, too. But kind of both of them on a higher level. Yeah, that was Brett's first really high-profile win as a single after the Hart Foundation split up. And also, Perfect gets, should get a lot of credit because he could have just backed out and forfeited the title because he did have a serious back injury. But he wanted to do the honors and put Brett over on his way out and then go and take his time off. And instead of half-assing it, he put on a great match out of it. Uh, number two, 
Number two. And this might get a little disagreement from our adoring public. I've got Randy Savage and Steamboat from WrestleMania 3 at number two. You're crazy. That can't be number two. It is number two. Great match. I love that match. But... Tell us why. Tell us why he's crazy. That's one of the. That's a, that's a classic. That's number one. That's I'm not saying the best Intercontinental Championship. Oh, you're not crazy. You're, the... you're not crazy for number two. Other than it should be number one, is what he just said. I'm right, not saying right. it's not that's a what, classic. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you better not have the honky tonk man and Ultimate Warrior at number one. No, it's uh, honky tonk and Ricky Steamboat. No, I'm kidding. But uh, but no, I'm not saying it's not a classic. It's definitely it's one of the matches that made me a wrestling fan. But I, I want to know what your number one is now. Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad getting you interesting, asked. isn't it? I'm glad you asked because my number one greatest Intercontinental Championship match of all time, SummerSlam 1992, Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog. First, Holy shit! <laughs> first time that the Intercontinental title main evented a SummerSlam. It was their first pay per view in England, and Davy Boy went over. And, and Davy Boy was so high that he couldn't even hardly get through the match. But he got <laughs> through the match. He did. He did. No, that was a great, that was a great Intercontinental Championship match too, and I thought that it was uh, perfectly done by WWE at the time when they putting him over. Yeah. Plus, the crowd was so, so into it; they were, they were on board from the opening bell. Yep. I didn't. Do you think Diana needed to be in the ring at the end? But that's neither here nor there. Was so, Diana? That's dirty Davey, Diana. No, uh, Davy Boy's wife, Brett's do- sister. Dirty Diana was much more fun. <laughs> I'm sure she a better song anyway. So that's our top 10 for greatest intercontinental matches. Uh, and I think that's a good time to kind of wrap things Officially up. Officially wrapping our very longest ever fucking episode ever, which is a year-end wrap. But so, it's, I mean, it's not a big deal. It took a year to get here. But it's not a big deal because two of our panelists were at home, so they didn't have to really worry about it. They were just drinking. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to call it a night here. Uh, thanks to everybody who joined us on Facebook Live and listened. Hopefully uh, you enjoy it on Thursday when it drops on all of our our channels uh, before we go uh keith i yes i would be a really bad businessman if we didn't talk about clubhouse lounge radio a little bit give us some more news well, give I mean, us some more info well, brother. I, I won't say much because i'm i'm ready to have another drink and go to bed <laughs> uh but no I, i'm kidding i thank you guys for having me on this has been a lot a lot of fun i've enjoyed this uh i love talking wrestling i love talking uh sports of any kind but with you guys this has been a lot of fun because i don't get to do this very often to talk wrestling with good people so uh thank you for having me on jumping the rail don't forget you can you can listen to jumping the rail at chlradio.com clubhouse lounge radio the new spot for local music local sports on one station so uh, if you have questions or know of local talent that needs to be on rotation in the music just let me know you can email me at clubhouse lounge radio gmail.com search for me on facebook follow us and uh Follow these guys too, man. It's, this is awesome. This is awesome. Glad you guys have started this. Yeah, and uh, we are very proud to be part of the the Clubhouse Lounge Radio family. Uh, thanks for uh, inviting us to be on. But uh, even if you have to cut me out of every episode because I'm absolutely <laughs> wasted air. So, uh, Keith, when does it officially launch? Is well, it- that's a great question. What we're looking for now is sponsors and and stuff, and then we're working on that and getting advertising for commercials because you know you got to have that to run a radio station. Uh, so we're working on that, uh, and hopefully June first is what we're looking at as a launch, full launch date as a streaming twenty four seven radio station. We nice. should have a challenge. We should see if Mark or Mike could grow any hair by then. That's not going to happen on the top of their heads. 
You had to add that qualifier. Cause I did. I did. Because I saw your chin, but I was really worried about other things because y'all <laughs> probably got some ass hair going on. Yeah, that's neither here nor there. But I think on ass hair, we can wrap things up here. So thanks again to Keith Gibson for joining this week. I guarantee you will be back because we'll have plenty of anytime, stuff to talk about. Anytime you guys want to have me. And uh, you can hear Keith on the Full Count podcast when uh, hopefully when baseball season kicks off again. If we can get this damn lockout worked out. Uh, thanks to Marco for uh, spinning the wheels for us today. And, uh, thank you to Narge for braving a back injury to join us on Zoom this week. Narge, hopefully you feel better, buddy, and we'll have you back in studio in two weeks. I do, yeah, because in two weeks we're going to have the voice of Game Changer Wrestling, Kevin Gill, yes. live with us. I can't wait to talk to him about the New Year's show, the Chicago show. And, of course, the massive Hammerstein Ballroom show that Game Changer Wrestling is going to start 2022 with. Yes. I should be clear about this. The next episode will contain, will, will contain more F-bombs because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a slow proprietor of them. But the guy from GCW, they're part of the show. So, on, be, on the behalf of all of our guys uh, you want to uh bid a good riddance to 2021 it can really go fuck itself and i wish you all a merry new year as we look forward to 2022 thank you and good night thank you